Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 65 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by my very, very talented and handsome co-host, all the way from Limerick, Mr. Sean Sheehan. Hello, Andrew McGahan. How are you today? I am very good, Sean. How are you this fine evening? Can't complain, no. Fine day, isn't it? Well, Gre- great, well, great stretch, though, up until the evening. Oh, I was only, myself and Patrick, where were we driving yesterday? We were driving somewhere, and it was about half eight. Oh, I'd say there was some stretch. By God, that was a fair stretching. I couldn't believe it. Would you compare it, like, is it at John Jones Reach's level yet, or is it more of an Ovin St. Prue level? Or maybe slightly smaller? Stefan Struve level, I'd nearly give it at this stage. No, no, no. We're not, so we're nowhere near the summer solstice. Still not. Like, if, you, not. if you put the 21st of December as Sean Shirk, and uh, the 21st of June as Stefan Struve, where do we meet in the middle? Where is April? Where, where is the 20-somethingth of April? I think we're getting there, though. I think, I, I don't know, you know, I, I think we were John Jones stretching off there. I think you're not going to get much more of a stroke. Well, no, you will, actually. Yeah, you're right. Oh, you will. You'll I, be I up to half away. nine now some days, some nights. Uh, maybe you're getting, like, Nate Diaz lightweight stretch. We'll take yeah, that. I'll definitely, like, maybe this is how the, the news, RT are probably listening, and the news broadcast will change now. Just, I, I think it's an Irish thing. I think we need to start addressing the stretch in the evenings on the, on the weather reports. Definitely. Because, look, I don't care about patchy rain in Dublin. I don't care about road closures in Cork because you hear that all the time. I want to know about what sort of stretch I'm getting for washing, for drying purposes, for general leisure purposes out in the sun in the evening. This is the information, Sean, I would rather know. Yeah, can you start the GM match at half seven at night? Exactly, or do you need the floodlights? Does the caretaker need to stay around to be able to turn the floodlights off afterwards? Or can he go on a few few hours earlier because he doesn't have to worry? Exactly. Do you know it'd be handy for those uh, those GA players? Some supplements. Supplements, you say? Mm. Yeah, I say supplements. Oh, it's almost as if we planned that, Sean. Mm. I know a guy. I know Ooh. two guys. I Tell know us. a company. ORSnutrition.com. <gasps> Sounds good. Very good friends and sponsors of the Severe MMA podcast. Great lads. Irish Irish group of lads, all of their products are absolutely Irish formulated. They're independently tested as well as tested by um, themselves. So third party and within, within themselves. Irish formulated, as I said, they are the sponsors of Dublin GAA, of Irish Hockey, of Dundalk FC and a couple of other League of Ireland football teams that you don't care about because come on the town. Um, over at their website, which is orsnutrition.com, all of the products are separated by sport. They're also separated by what you're looking for as an athlete. So if you're a GEA player, if you're a cricket player, if you're an athletics player, a rugby player, a soccer player, a mixed martial artist, or just a regular martial artist, they have all of the things categorised by what they feel, what their experts feel you need the most. And Maybe you're just into weights, maybe you're just hitting the gym, maybe you're getting back, getting ready for the summer bod, Sean. You know, I beat the 16, need to start looking ripped and swollen. Oh, oh, that's what they're all after. After that... After that lovely bod for the summer, well then, they'll help you as well. If you're looking to tone up, if you're looking to add size, if you're looking to lean out a little bit, they will have the products recommended to best supplement your training. A great range of pre-workouts as well as a good stuff, um, post-workout things, um, little treats that you're allowed to have yourself that are good for you, but maybe make you feel like you should be having a lot of sugar with it instead. What else, Sean? Just everything. 
everything that'll make you feel good, make you the gains, things that make you go, things that make you go, hmm, exactly. That's what they're. I do. We do. It doesn't stop there because once you find all your things, once you put them in the basket and throw in the complimentary protein shaker, I will say one other thing, Sean. They have a very good system. When you put things in a basket, you can. after you spend a certain amount of time, you're eligible for a free gift in your in your order. So you can get to a certain stage by spending certain money and they will recommend to you what you can get for free on top of your order or maybe you're two euros short. So they'll say, look, if you bring it up to this, we'll give you this as well for free. So I think that's a big, big thing. Um, I got offered a protein shaker the other day. If you're done all of that and you're happy with your purchase, go to the promo a- a- area, put in Severe MMA. It's all in capitals. And guess what, Sean? If it's your oh. first time ordering from OROSNutrition.com, you will get 25% off. 5% is it? 25% off. 20, 20% is it? 25% off. 25 a quarter. A quarter? A quarter of your full price off. Oh my God. And a few people have been in touch. Very, very sound lads. Um, they had ordered off ORS Nutrition before, maybe a year or two ago. They tried to use the severe discount code. It didn't work contacted ROS themselves and they sorted it out for them nice so there we go if you're having that issue as well get in touch with the guy shoot them a message they're sorting people out as well there was something some issue with it that um so it's been rectified now anyway so thank you very much if you want to follow them they're on all social medias ROS Nutrition I know they have a different handle for Twitter I think it's ROS Nutrition GRP search them on Facebook search them on their website follow them order use the code SEVEREMMA for 25% off and you will help us if nothing else, you'll help me and Sean. Yes. Buy a load of creatine just to keep in the house, just to take pictures, pretend you're Pablo <laughs> Escobar, whatever you want to do yourself. Gains. And help us. Yeah, just for your Snapchat so you can tweet gains. Gains. Snapchat. Gains. All about them gains. Exactly. Just go to a gym, pay your membership, get someone to take a picture, head on home. Be grand. That's all you need. That's all I do at Jiu-Jitsu, Sean. I just show up and wear my gi and then go home. Sure. Just let people know I'm still training and put the fear of God into my opponents. We have a giveaway as well this week. We do have sure. a giveaway. Will I yes. pull it up? Uh, I, can, I can do it if you You can want. do it, yeah. Yes. You freestyle free, free, free it. I'll freestyle this motherfucker. A good friend, John Sheehan, no relation to me, who you'll see designed a beautiful Severe MMA podcast logo. The new one and the old one um, has a shop where he does these prints of different MMA fighters, soccer players, all different things. He's a beautiful Wonderboy one up, which I will be getting. One, Wonderboy uh, wrote, wrote about that, didn't he, on Twitter? He did, yeah, and Wonderboy even liked it. Uh, so John has got uh, in contact with us. He loves the podcast. So he said he's giving away one free anywhere in the world. He's going to ship it out to you. So all you have to do to be able to chance to win, follow us at Severe MMA Pod and follow him at Sports Straight Shop. So it's at S P O R T R A I T Shop, S H O P. Um, follow follow that. Follow at Severe MMA Pod. Give a tweet out saying you follow both of them and you'll be able to chance to win. Or you can just go over. We'll have a tweet up on our. Um, on our podcast account, you can just give that a retweet, and you'll also be with a chance to win. So, in a few days between, we'll announce the we'll announce it next next Monday or Tuesday. We announce it on the podcast next Tuesday to win. So, tell a friend, uh, RT it on your account, RT it in your sister's account, get your brother to do it, and you'll be with a few chances to win. As I say, you'll ship it anywhere and whichever one you want. If you, I think he's a Conor McGregor one, he's a Paddy Hoolan one, Wonderboy, he's a Gary Neville one, he's a Steven Gerrard one. If you're a terrible Liverpool supporter. So there you go. Any one of them you can win. 
Brilliant. And Sean, not wanting to go full Joe Rogan experience style on people as we approach the eight-minute mark, but I would just like to give a shout-out. You know, Sean and I, Sean's ego has gone to his head over the last 65 episodes, ladies and gentlemen. He is an absolute superstar these mm-hmm. days. People coming at him from left, right, and centre. And unfortunately, his wage has gone up massively since this podcast has increased in popularity. Maybe yes. you're a business out there. Maybe you like the podcast. Maybe you like what we're putting down and you want to get in touch. Follow us on Twitter at SevereMMAPod. We are always keen and interested in working with uh, up-and-coming brands or brands that share the same ethos and life policies that we do. And uh, maybe we could be linked together and maybe we could help each other out. If not, we've made a new friend. We've had a nice chat and we've networked a little bit more, Sean, because we're networking yeah. bastards, we, aren't we? We follow everyone back too, even if we you're also do that. And by we, I mean Sean follows everybody back. But I have started using the account more. Indeed. Anyway, come on. Nobody wants to hear what? this shit anymore. But nothing's oh. happened. Like, this is a slow week, Sean. We had three podcasts last week. Yeah, nothing's really happened since then. We covered everything. Um, I'm okay with just previewing the upcoming Amateur World Championships, you know, give an extens- extensive breakdown of um, Armenia's chances and India's yeah. chances. India. Some great guys. I had a good weekend, though. I had an interesting weekend. Why? I don't know. I went, I went out for dinner. You probably saw it in Snapchat. I did, I did. We went out for dinner and uh, it was my brother-in-law's 40th, so happy birthday to him. And we, we went to the golf course for dinner, a lovely meal, but it made me want to take up golf. golf. Why? It's a great, it's a great, just after my man cave now, after it's all there together. <laughs> You're a man who prefers the finer things in I life am, at I the moment. I become a man who likes sitting down. You know, I'd love to go into just every Sunday and I go out and have nine holes of golf. Don't matter. It doesn't really matter about the golf. The golf is the last thing I'm taking up golf for. I have a few, nine it's holes the, of golf. It's the lifestyle associated the lifestyle with the golf. Go, go in after your old game of golf. Sit down in the clubhouse. The match the was lads. on. I was watching it there last night. As dinner was on, the Man United Everton match was on. Sit down with the lads, five or six lads, you know, have a few brandies, sip on a few brandies for four or five hours. And, you know, that's a quite a way to spend a Sunday. Imagine doing that after an MMA card. Maybe going at like 12 o'clock on a, on a Sunday. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? That's, look, you've, you've, I'm sold. I'm already on eBay here looking up uh, full sets of golf clubs. I am quite the pitch and putt player. I'm not going to lie. Look, I, I wasn't back in my day as well. I um the last couple we didn't get to play once last summer unfortunately so I'm trying to arrange a little uh, a little game soon enough because there was a time when I ruled the roost of the Sea Town Pitch and Putt Championships which was uh, held out in Inneskeen every week so I definitely am coming back for that crown pretty good uh, I can pull a good approach play you know I'm good off the tee you know good at clearing the water very very rarely I've gone for a dunk gone for a bath but aside, aside from that, maybe my short game needs a bit of work, you know, the putting raw, uh, happy Gilmore style, you know, try put the ball in the hole every single time. And what I was going to say to you is, forget about being in a country club, Sean, watching happy Gilmore should have been enough for you to want to take up the golf lifestyle. Yeah, happy Gilmore was a good crack. Shooter McGavin is probably one of the best characters in a I film. I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. <laughs> you eat pieces of shit for breakfast. I'm, I'm actually good at putting but I can't I can't hit the ball off the tee at all but I, I reckon I found out why I can't because I was playing right handed all the time and I reckon I'm left handed so oh, right. I, I went once and played left handed I was way better I'm left handed but I play right handed so I, I do believe that there are people yeah I'm a bit I'm a bit messed up like that you write with your left hand I do write with my left hand that's, you want to get that checked out that's not right <laughs> that's that's immoral <laughs> do you know what I, I'm probably going to uh, purchase just in an, an attempt to get my putting up to scratch uh, what Lee Carvalho's putting challenge 
All right, what's that? Oh my God, Sean. I don't know, do I know what that is? The podcast listeners have probably just revolted. You're going to get a barrage of tweets 12 minutes after we launch the podcast tomorrow. You're not a Simpsons fan? Oh, I am. Oh my God, do you not remember when Bart robbed the game from the store? And the Bloodstorm game and Millhouse got it. And he's like, this game is so much fun. And all I've done is put my name in. And I come up, Thrill House. (laughs) Thrill House. And then Marge is like, we know you wanted a game, blah, blah, blah. And it was Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. And then the end credits were the game. And it was like, welcome to Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. I am Carvalho. Please select a club. And then it's like, he selects something that's like, three wood. You have selected three wood. Might I suggest a putter? Three wood. <laughs> your, your more in-depth knowledge. Yeah, of, uh, I remember. No, it's not even part. done yet because then he said, uh, now select your power. And he, you hear like a noise going up and he's like, you have selected uh, power drive. <laughs> Might I suggest feathered touch? And it's like, power drive. Ball is in parking lot. You know, I was on real I was on real How do I know the again. full? No, that, that's a, like one of the most iconic. <laughs> like I know the full words to a Simpsons credit. Like brilliant. Lee Carvalho was putting challenge. Can't wait to buy it. I was on real. I was just saying. I was on real at the Tiger Woods game on PlayStation. Right. I literally beat everyone I've ever met. Like you have in college and stuff. And I, I honestly beat everyone by like ten shots in that golf game. And before I went and played it online. Right, I'm thought, all right, I'm gonna trash all these lads. These lads have been all good. Just got absolutely probably by real by golfers with virtual reality sets. Uh, it's probably lads out in fucking six year olds in Japan that play it like nonstop. I used all to, time. I used to always like you know when you could rent games. I can remember yeah. renting a snooker game before, and I used to always rent the golf games as well when they come out. And around like maybe the fourth hour of playing a game that you've rented, you're kind of just looking at yourself and you put the pad down and go outside, and you're like, I am playing a game a virtual game of something that I could be doing. Do you know what I mean? Like, if I want to, like, fair enough, games are for when you're never going to get somewhere, like playing FIFA or something, or uh, being at war, being at war. But snooker, just go fucking play snooker instead of playing it on a game. Like Snooker's fucking terrible, though, to play. It's so hard, like, it's impossible. It's not a great game, apart from 8-Ball Pool. By the way, quite the hustler on 8-Ball Pool, so send me a friend request on that as well. Anyway... (laughs) I was I used to play myself and Patrick used to play snooker an awful lot years ago. We used to play every week when I was fucking terrible at it. Driving games as well. Maybe driving games a little bit less. But then you know some people, Sean, maybe they're not allowed to drive. They yeah, have some to... people are shit drivers like you and drive with your phone on. Um I was actually gonna try to use that to a John Jones segue and not talk about my impending court right. cases, but whatever. Uh did you see John Jones was caught driving recklessly again? I did. You're fucking you love stealing my tweets, don't you? I haven't seen your Twitter page once. I saw it on his Instagram. Actually, no. I saw on his Instagram that he tagged someone in it. And mm-hmm. it was some limo driver. And then I was stalking the limo driver's Instagram page who's friends with John Jones and he has a big limo company. And he was putting up videos of John driving in Vegas. And the caption was like, recklessly driving again, Jones or something. So, yeah, sure. fuck you. Sorry, I apologize. I'll take it back, Andrew. Anyway. What about this weekend? The return of the king. Everyone was hyped. Everyone was like, John Jones is going to come and smash Ovin St. Prue, both of us included. He's going to put on a clinic. It's going to be great. Look what he's going to look like when he's not allegedly doing all of these bad things out of training that he shouldn't be doing. This was going to be the absolute, oh, fight's over, and it was probably one of the most boring fights of the night. That's a good uh, segue on all, Andrew, but um, 
Thank you. Thank you. If you'd bother to look at the fucking running order that I sent you, you'd see that Conor McGregor was the first thing that we were going to discuss. Did you send me a running podcast. order? I, did I send you a running Yes, I sent it to you on <laughs> WhatsApp. I sent it to you on Skype. Where, how many more broadcasts do you want me to send it to you? <laughs> Funny enough, John, I just uh, opened up my messages there and McGregor Saga seems to be the first thing that you've sent me. Yeah, do you want to make do you want to make another segue there? I really only have one segue in me per show, and my confidence is shattered at the moment. <laughs> if you want to like really, really talk about a confidence shattering thing, then maybe like a guy who had previously smoked through everyone in the division that he fought before beating the longtime champion in Jose Aldo, then yeah. lost to Nate Diaz, and is on a quest to avenge that loss. You could say he's determined. There is yeah. that okay? Oh, wouldn't be too bad, we, but we will get to we will get to Jones in DC after the McGregor uh, saga discussion. So I suppose we might as well get into it. What, what do you? What are your thoughts now? We've this is our probably our, what is it, our third podcast, fourth probably. Who cares? Yeah, on us, on McGregor and Dos uh, Anjos. Like this time last week, the fight was well, the fight was still on, wasn't it? Yes, because we uh, recorded last Monday as well, I believe. Did we? Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah, the podcast. The, the, fight was still on there was no McGregor retirement you know we, we just we were living in a happier up. world getting ready for a nice summer in Vegas well a nice couple of days in Vegas Sean Sheen hadn't trended on Twitter yet a darker time for the world of mixed martial arts coverage undoubtedly yeah and then this happened then Connor week. retired mad week wasn't it yeah Okay, we, we do you, what, what, what way? Do you, what way do you want to go from? Because we assume, considering some of the McGregor specials got more listens than last week's podcast, yeah. and we have an issue with that, people. By the way, but we'll get Great. to that later on. Um, so I, I suppose people were following it on a chronological update day by day when we were doing the daily podcasts. Yeah. So do you want to take it from what's happened today or the last yeah. day? Let's yeah, we, let's go from the latest. Things let's go from six a.m. this morning. Yeah. So McGregor comes out this morning and says. Thank you, Dana White. Tweets out, thank you, Dana White. Thank you, Lorenzo, for T-Dive. I'm back on USC 200. You did this one for the fans. Lorenzo and Dana did this for the fans. Which I kind of woke up to. And I was like, ah, McGregor's just done it, hasn't he? He's he's just totally taking the piss now. Like, I didn't for a second believe that was true, even though I saw loads of sites kind of running with it. Oh, he's back on. And even we put up things. Uh, so we Wait, you mean websites much. run stories that they aren't f- sure is fully true? Yeah, but it's okay running like a, t- a tweet if it's an important tweet, which that one was fair enough. But oh yeah, I no, Sky we've Sports. ran we've ran tweets. Oh, that's okay though. I have no problem with that. But Sky Sports ran it, and it's still up there now as we speak. Um, Conor McGregor back on UFC 200. That's their headline. So like, uh, you know, he's not <laughs> really. He just said he was, but doesn't doesn't mean he is. And I think Sandu pulled it up. Actually, I was about to pull it up, but then I saw someone retweet it. That you remember he did it with Diego Sanchez as well, where he said, yeah, "I'm fighting Diego I was, Sanchez." I was surprised. I'm pretty sure. I know we didn't mention it, but I've definitely had discussions about someone with that about Connor's tweet. Um, tweet happy. Like, do you know maybe going to announce something? Because if you go a further step back. I know he didn't actually announce it, but remember he was really looking to fight Ali Quinta that yeah. time a month after his debut and was tweeting flat out for that. I think the Sanchez thing was uh, Sanchez thing was the best example, so that's a wee hat tip to San- Sandu for that one. Yeah, I, I was talking. I was actually doing the binge warmers podcast earlier on today. I was talking to the lads there, and I was kind of like this this tweet from McGregor this morning. You know, it, I think it kind of tipped over the edge a little because 
all week and even the last two podcasts we were kind of talking about it that it was it's your final you know, hand yeah it is it is really but we, like before that i think it was bartering on okay mcgregor's kind of fighting for what he thinks he deserves or fighting for his rights and stuff and even you saw guys like rory mcdonald and a few more siding with him which is unusual with fighters like most of them are still siding against him but you saw a few but this this time is kind of that there was no need for that tweet this morning really i think it was just like wh- why are you doing it like you're just antagonizing them. if there was any chance i think that's kind of you know that's kind of taken away unless something big happens it was just like imagine you dana white and Lorenzo Fertitta see that like uh, they're, they're probably like fuck this dude like after after seeing that so i don't know i think he could have he could have maybe done something better or just do something like john gavin i said about okay it's the fans you don't want if you demand it you know it could happen or something like that but I'm not sure if that was the right way to go about it. Now, look, it could be wrong. It could, it could force the hand of uh, of people, but uh, or it could force their hand. But I, you know, I, I'm not really sure. What, what way did you look at it? Well, I just want to pick up on one thing you said there about fighters siding with yeah. Connor for that, and we said that there were some fighters coming out against him. I think the best examples of the fighters that have sided with him are the fighters that feel like they are in a similar situation to Conor. So John Jones gave him his full support. You know, yeah. John Jones has been thrown under the bus by the UFC. Of course he was going to come out. He supported Conor fully in that. Uh, Rory McDonald as well, the guy who's, you know, about to test free agency and they've given him arguably the toughest possible matchup going into free agency. You know, losing against Wonderboy severely weakens Rory McDonald's position in a renegotiation period with the UFC over his contract. So I think the fighters that have, at least those two examples anyway, the ones that have thrown support are ones maybe that feel that if they're not at that position now, they feel that they could be at that crossroads position in in a couple of fights' time, like when they get towards uh, a renegotiation. So fair enough from that. I think, as you say, it's the, the fighters that want to maybe, well, you didn't say it, but... Uh, the fighters that are cozying up maybe even to Zufa to try to get in the good graces, you know, maybe to build a good relationship or something like that. It's like, it seems like the... I, I was having a chat with someone on the way home from training tonight and there was a guy from Dundalk who went pro in football, uh, was over in England for a couple of years and he was telling him that in school, when you're young, when you're with a big team, you're training most of the week, but you do a couple of hours in school. You are educated while you're still growing up. So whether, whatever you're doing. But they also do media training. Yeah. So from an early age, you know, there's nothing stopping a 16-year-old from getting a chance on a first team, scoring a wonder goal, Wayne Rooney style, and then everyone wants to talk to him. And if you put a regular 16-year-old child in that position, they don't know what to do. But if you put someone who's been trained in media in there, maybe trained in business, different areas like that, then you've got a different person completely. The clubs want them to be able to talk from the start. So why aren't fighters, like fighters need, I know the UFC fighter summit, they like to, they teach them how to use Twitter a couple of years ago and Instagram and different things like that. But this is something that I think uh, coaches should nearly be trying to implement into their fighters from an early, early age at pro level, you know, get them maybe a better business, business head, business head on them, different things. Look, an issue for another day, something I just, it was it's only in my head because I just dropped your man home before the podcast. Your point is well made, though, in the fa- in in the fact that people who don't have that acumen, I think it just comes naturally to most people. People that don't have it are kind of these people who are siding against McGregor. Like if people who kind of think about it, put thought into it. Rory McDonald obviously put thought of a thought into, it, as you said. I think Matt, Matt Brown came out as well and said it, and a couple more. Those are the guys that are kind of you know have that business savvy kind of head in them to think like, okay. You know, if he can demand something, okay, maybe we can't demand as much as he can demand, 
but maybe we can demand something or maybe you know there maybe there will be a trickle down effect or maybe if we get to that position we can demand it you know I, people you know if you're traveling somewhere to to promote the ufc and to promote a fight that you're fighting you should be getting paid for that like that's that's you know that's a simple thing like it's, it's you know that's not a big thing um in, in my opinion anyway and like why couldn't you what's wrong with fighting for that like what i don't think there's anything wrong with that like i saw some people coming out and, go, and said pay me what conor mcgregor's uh, getting paid and uh i'll do all this i'll do all this uh, stuff no matter what yeah okay let's find that but you're not conor mcgregor like you haven't done the promotion that he has done already and can't do it because he's you know he's special you're like you're not going to get paid ronda rousey money she's special she these things happen like in sports like like is Leighton Baines getting paid the same amount as Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Messi or something like no it's just the way things happen like these are you know these are the way things happen I have a little solution from that just a a micro point Mm -hmm. do you know like obviously it doesn't seem like there's any sort of apart from that funny Twitter account Fighters Union (laughs) uh, like that would never happen because independent contractors and whatever Let's say the UFC turned around to the fighters and said, you'll get paid. Because, like, flying them out and putting them up in a hotel, yeah, okay. But if a fighter got paid for the amount of commitments that they did that week, that would make the burden on a fighter doing media a lot, a lot less. Yeah. And it would also, like, you're encouraging them. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, the UFC should be looking at all of this stuff. Like, they have the ability to look into all of this data. So why don't they say to someone like, look, it's, we're giving you an incentive here to be a better person in the media. Do you know what I mean? Like I've interviewed people before that have absolutely no desire to be there. It'll be watched and then people are turned off that fighter. Do you know, like offer them money to do this. Like you've got enough money. Offer the fighters money to promote themselves because just give for, for showing up and then find out, look, this interview, this interview with, uh, Tony Ferguson or Anthony Pettis or Edson Barboza did 100,000 hits on MMA Junkie or MMA Fighting that's good exposure for that guy do you know throw him like anything I don't know maybe the, like maybe there is a way for the UFC because this is something that will creep up again okay now that one person has taken a stand this is something that will creep up again from a UFC fighter if not within the next 12 months so why not put something in place before any of that happens so it's locked down Fighters get money for doing media. The UFC reward active social media or active actively rewarding fighters that are given good interviews or good content or content that's a buzz is created around something that was done on them. I think you see that's it's that'd be hard to do for the UFC. Like paying them to travel and come to the media is fair enough, but you can't pay them to do you know it's kind of hard to pay anyone to do a good interview. That kind of has to be on your own, like. Conor McGregor didn't get paid any money to do the interview he did with you in SPG there a couple of months ago, did he? But it's still, what, three, two and a half million hits? Like 2.1, but who's counting? Yeah. yeah, but, like, how much exposure did that get, Conor McGregor? Like, all the interviews he's done with you down the years, the interviews he's done with Ariel, like, nobody paid him for any of those interviews. And look how much exposure he got. Like, people, you know, I bet you there's people, like who could get on who could be on the MMA or, or who could easily say Andrew will you you know will you interview me like I, I'm sure if fucking you know if someone wanted you to interview him or wanted me to interview him or wanted you know any someone out there to interview him I'm sure they could just say look do you want to interview me 
I'll get on Skype so you can record or you can put it up. Like people need, you know, okay, I think lots of people, there are, okay, there's loads of people like, I think. Uh, and there are a lot of fighters that are very, sorry for cutting you off, there's a lot yeah. of fighters that are very accommodating and are delighted to get yeah. interviews. But there's guys, there's journalists, obviously that's our journalist job to get onto the fighters to do that. And there's loads of them doing that. And that's what I'm saying. But if the fighters want to complain, you know, if they're complaining about their exposure, go and go out and get yourself some exposure. You know, journalists are only too happy to do it. Like, look at guys like, um, guys like James Lynch there with, the, with his podcast. Like he does interviews with people over Skype and stuff. Like if you want some exposure and, you know, if PC you're a UFC Carol, fighter. Yeah, Jim Edwards. But, yeah, but you know, I'm saying like if you're, you know, if you want to, it's easier like to get on video. I think a lot of I, people do loads of written interviews and stuff at the UFC, uh, kind of make them do video, do interviews and stuff. But like I think video interviews are a big thing. There's like you know, there's lots of people will do them with you if you, you know, people, people like I, I, it's a lot of people who are doing those video interviews kind of get, they kind of get uh, browned off with it because people want people kind of refuse to do them. You know, it's hard to get people on those. Like. You know, you know, everyone knows like who's looking for people to interviews. It's not that easy to get people on, you know, to do them. So like, especially if you're the bigger guys, and if if you're a guy that's you know that's climbing up. Now, if you're Ari or somewhere, maybe that's different. Or if you know, if it's the UFC provider one, but you know, do, you know, if these guys complain, you maybe they need to little work a little bit harder, look for a bit of media themselves. Like as you said, there, like if you know, people might need a bit of training. Just you know, do it themselves, put a bit of effort into it. Like, but there's one thing on. Just going back to uh, this, the, the McGregor thing again. Nice segue. Uh, the Dana White obviously came out said today and said what McGregor said today was lies. He's not back on UFC 100. But I think we need to just take take a step back for a second and look at the whole reason again. <laughs> okay, McGregor said that he wasn't willing to do the media because, you know, he was tired of the media and stuff and everything. I, you know, I think there's a little bit about, we spoke about it last week in depth, myself, you and Pizzi, about it, you know, the Joe Carvalho thing as well. And I think that still has a little bit to do with it. I still don't think, you know, he wants to be putting himself in the spotlight too quickly after that. You know, I think that's a little bit to do with it. I think he's definitely worn out from it as well. But I think it's, you know, if he was, if he was worn out for it, I think he'd still turn up. But I think it's all these things adding up. And I think people are kind of forgetting that. Now, I don't think it's, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, the Joker fellow is his head not in it anymore." Is you know, is, you know, when when the retirement thing came out and all, I don't think it was that, but I just think it was, you know, it's hard to work his stick and stuff when that's still you know a hot topic. You know, when when there's you know when it's people in Ireland are still talking about it. When there's you know there's probably going to be more things coming out about it. What I don't know when, like it, you know, the post mortem and stuff. And you know, does Conor McGregor really want to be in the spotlight when that's happening? Does he want really want to be? bringing up, you know, I, I, like I don't like to say it, but you remember the last press conference he said, I, he said I, about Nate Diaz, I'm going to bury you in the middle of the desert. Like things like that are going to be brought up by, you know, by these, by these media outlets that are, you know, trying to downgrade the sport. Like things like that are going to happen. And I think that's maybe, that's good PR on McGregor's point of view, even if, you know, if he knew, if, even if he's not thinking that, if he's management that are thinking, maybe thinking that way. And I think the UFC should be thinking that way as well. Like that's, you know, that's, I think that's smart PR for mine. I think there's no, you know, and as well to obviously respect the, the man who just died and all, which I think McGregor has foremost in his head as well. But, um, you know, I think there's no, there's no harm just leaving it for a bit. Okay, look, have McGregor do his media and stuff. 
you know, there's plenty of guys, as I said, there's plenty of guys who will do it over Skype. Why couldn't McGregor have been on the MMAR today? It would have been huge media for them. You know, you can do it. There's other ways of doing it at a press conference. As he said, McGregor, I think John Kavanaugh said it today, they're, they're on about going to LA or their war anyway, five weeks before UFC 200. You know, about doing have, the TV shows and stuff. Yeah, have, you know, yeah, have shoot something then, have, have it done then. I know you need something now, but go on, you need, you need to work with it. This, this fight sells itself, and I think. You know, I think McGregor's reasons are valid, even if they just were tiredness and that he needs to get, you know, a perfect camp for this for this fight. He needs, as I think John Kavanaugh said today, the, the four weeks at the start of the 12-week camp, even if you gave him that, those four weeks, eight weeks out is plenty enough. You know, if they shot mad eight weeks out, I think that'd be plenty. You know, the, the tickets are not going to be hard. To, you know, tickets are not going to be hard to sell for this one. They're going to be flying out. People are going to be buying it anyway. And it's just... I don't know. The, the UFC, they just seem to be totally out of, you know, out of touch with reality altogether. Like Dana White came out yesterday again and, and I was talking about how how he found it so weird that these, yeah, that these weird journalists were asking questions about Conor McGregor at the press conference. What the fuck were they going to ask? Like, you you left an empty chair there inside you where Conor McGregor would have been sitting. Why did you do that? Why was Nate Diaz sitting there when he had no fight when he said he's not fighting anyone? It's a pure soap opera. Like it's actually, like it's it's turning into farce now. And you know, the, the way Dana White has treated this has been actually absolutely laughable. Like he keeps going on these different uh, outlets and stuff. You know, looking just loving the media. I remember like David Beckham back in the day when you know when he was like he had these sarong on and stuff. And you know he started going out with Posh Spice and he just loved the media. The media, the, everything better bad press, good press. He didn't care as long as he got press. Dana White's been like that in the last week. You know, twice he's been on TMZ in the last week, giving them different scoops. Like this has is, he been this, on TMZ or yeah. was it just TMZ reporting it? Or TMZ reporting it? Right. But he gave quotes to TMZ twice in the last week. This is the only way as Essex stuff. Like this is you know Jersey Shore type of stuff. This is Dream crazy. Team, like, Harchester United. It's madness, though, isn't it? It's absolutely madness. Like he, as Ariel said to him last time, McGregor wants to fight. Diaz wants to fight. The fans want to fight. Why isn't the fight being made? Like, the ad can't be made now. The ad is gone. Forget about it. Look, it can't be made. If you're going to make an ad, you have to make an ad with someone else. So, if, say, if John Jones and, and Daniel Cormier are headlining You're still going to have to do have, it. Yeah, you're going to have to do an ad with them. So, why don't you just do it with McGregor and Diaz? You know, I don't know. What do I, you think, Andrew? <laughs> no, well, like, that was a, a good six or so minute rant there, Sean. Was it? And I'm, I'm anxious now about, uh, about just coming in because I don't like to... Uh, derail your train your your trail of thought or train of thought but I have to pick up on one thing there's a couple of things I want to pick on, up on but when you mentioned the uh, Joe Carvalho incident I was contacted I need to just say that Michael Ring the minister or is it Michael Ring? Yeah Minister Ring did in fact contact promoters in Ireland and um, I have been told the letters went to, uh, these letters 100% went out did go out to promoters, and it's from someone close to the situation. So they gave a list of them. Um, uh, Graham Merrigan tweeted out the list of who that. Was, I that. I saw that, but then since yeah. then, someone else has been in touch and right. and uh, and confirmed it. So just a, a wee retraction from a couple of weeks ago. So just get it out there. You know, we, sometimes yeah. we get things wrong. Sometimes we say things, and a hundred percent things wrong. No, Never. very rare, very rare, Sean. That we that we do, but. Um, what was I going to pick up on? You said a couple of good things. 
the media stuff, like, I think John was on the MMA Hour today, and from what, well, I know he was on the MMA Hour today because I watched it, but I, what I was going to say is I think the way that he was talking on the MMA Hour today was kind of like, I don't want to say that he's he's accepted the punishment. He, he's, he almost sounded like accepted. Connor won't be on UFC 200. But I do think that there was a, a certain element of... You know, John's stepped outside from the situation. He said he doesn't really uh, involve himself in a lot of Connor's things. He's just the trainer. He just is there whenever Connor wants to train and whenever Connor's training. But it does seem, from my point of view, like it's a bit of a tit for tat UFC versus Connor point scoring, squabbly sort of thing. ESPN had an article out today that estimated that Connor McGregor being on UFC 200 will give generate the UFC an extra forty five million dollars. 45 million dollars they've gone to many places around the world i would say and not brought in 45 million dollars on a single show do you know like this is big money this is huge for the ufc and i feel at this stage now maybe connor has twist has poked the line a little bit too much yeah. Maybe it's at the stage now that the UFC are like, look, there's been stars before, so there will be stars after you. This isn't going to happen. We're not going to put you on UFC 200. And at the moment, I although, sorry, I should say, John did say he was 51% yes, 49% no about Conor being on UFC 200. But just the way that he was talking about some things, I know in the 42 article as well, didn't he say something maybe about settling for Madison Square Garden? I think he brought that yeah. up in it as well. Yeah, that's the point I wanted to bring up as well. Yeah, that. But just one is not going to be gone. Yeah, that's I was I was going to bring it into that. So this has turned into point for point scoring. Um, Dana saying things. No, I don't know why he tweet that. And you know, Pizzi brought it up. Dana has completely thrown other fighters under the bus in the past and completely vilified them and crucified them in the media and the press but this time very very careful about the words mm-hmm. and I, I think now within the last day or two has shown to us that the UFC were probably very open to the idea of Conor being on UFC 200 because they didn't want to close the door completely and something must have happened maybe in negotiations or just before the press conference because Dana said they haven't spoke since the press conference and things like and just saying that he, he said on the record that the door is closed and he won't be on UFC 200 my own personal belief is what I've been saying all along I think it's silly I think he should be on UFC 200 and um, it'd be great for long term for fighters but again the UFC maybe not wanting to cave to it the point from there on, though, is he said, yeah, he's not going to be on Madison Square Garden either. That's, that's weird, isn't That it? he's going to fight the winner of Aldo and Edgar. And I know we got a question about it today, but it was something that I've been thinking about as well. I was like, if Aldo beats Edgar, they will book Connor to defend his title in Brazil. I think so. I don't think it's going to be any easy stretches from here on. I think, you know, like... Fair enough about relationships not being past the point of unrepairability, but for my money, this one seems like, you know, as this goes on day by day, as more articles go on, as maybe Connor puts up a tweet or two more, do you know, like, this is... This is the saga that you could look back at and say, okay, it's either going to be brilliant for fighters, as we say, in terms of their pay, or Connor's going to be another name that the UFC proved that... He wasn't bigger than now. Whatever may happen after, if Connor leaves the UFC or whatever could happen, like in retirement for him, 
we can't speculate. You know, we can't say, oh, he's going to do this, he's going to do that, it's going to be fantastic, he's going to crush the UFC. But the UFC, for what they should be doing in terms of protecting themselves long term, I think they're playing the right game. I think they're playing the right moves here. And I think they're playing solid moves. Unfortunately, it is making them look childish. It is making them look bad. It is making Dana look maybe a little bit bad as well because he is the one at the front of of the company. Even if he isn't the one making all of these decisions in the back, he's still the one that's the peop- the, the name and the face that people recognise with decision-making in the UFC. So publicly, it's making them look bad. But I think long-term for themselves as a company, it's probably the right thing that they should be doing. What and, but, I, but I don't agree that it is the right thing they should be doing. But from a company's perspective, yeah. it is definitely like they're playing, they're playing a very, very good game here. Both what sides are. Yeah. What's the way I would say? Promoter is not your friend. Repeat it after me. Promoter is not your friend. And they all this... lived happily <laughs> ever after. <laughs> the word, you, you, I actually had forgotten about it, but you brought it up about the New York thing. That was the most TMZ... You know, oh yeah, wasn't it at the end of the ever. press conference? Oh yeah, by yeah. the way, he's not fighting a Madison Square Garden either. Oh, so you know, you can okay, you can understand him pulling McGregor from this card. You know, we might agree with it, but fair enough. You want to stick to your rules, fair enough. But why, why is he pulling him from the Madison Square Garden card? Why is that not possible? What is he like? Does anyone have an answer for that? Like, I have no idea why. He's just doing it. Because, you know, he wants to kind of bury McGregor. He just, you know, he had a disagreement with him. And now, you know, the UFC, showing the UFC is in charge. You know, as you said, a tit for tat. That was that was the weirdest of all. Like, okay, look, we can all understand what's happening here with, with the UFC 200. But to, to rule him out of UFC New York, that was just, you know. That was Get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here. Just shaky going. But, look, okay, we've, we've given McGregor a... Uh, a good shine, or well, maybe not a good shine, but a good talking about over the last couple of uh, couple of weeks. But to segue again into as you were talking about at the start, UFC 200 main now is more than likely going to be um, John Jones versus Daniel Cormier. Just before we get to the fight, uh, we 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 discussed about McGregor and, and Diaz. Uh, like I, I personally thought I might get between somewhere between 1.8 million around 1.8 million. I thought pay per view by 200. UFC 200 I thought it was going to break every record especially now if they put it together right now I think it'll do at 1.8 how many if you Daniel Cormier and John Jones is announced now UFC 200 main event how many pay-per-view buys do you think it'll do I think it would do well here's the thing if John Jones and Daniel Cormier is on it you can bet your bottom dollar that the UFC will go balls to the wall to promote this event so it breaks 100 and it breaks any McGregor figure you know, like if if that is the case, if John Jones versus DC is headlining, if Misha's in the co-main, if we don't get another title fight, if it stays at this, maybe we do get another title fight. No matter what, if Conor McGregor's not in that card, the UFC will go to the moon and back with the promotion of this fight. And they can hide it under the guise maybe that it's UFC 200 and it's a landmark thing, but you gotta know, they're, they're coming for those records. They're going for the records that McGregor can't hang his hat on maybe in the future or that he can't keep uh, bringing up. I would expect them to go all out. I'd I'd expect UFC 200 with or without Conor McGregor. If the UFC put all all shoulders to the wheel, as we say in uh, in marketing for Dummies book or managing for Dummies book, then he will de- like they'll, they'll surpass it. They'll surpass 1.5 million. 
John Jones versus Daniel Cormier the first fight I'm just looking at it here 800,000 yeah 800,000 I'd be surprised I'd be more I'd be shocked if they beat one point if they beat UFC um, <coughs> the UFC 196 record is it not Net Diaz versus I would I be I would be shocked too Diaz but I'm just saying I think they're going to put all of their oh, all of their gunpower in for this they will but you don't have a big star you know John Jones is a star but he's not Conor McGregor he's not Ronda Rousey I think you're you're talking you're talking 1.2 1.3 million that's, and that's huge but it's not astronomical you know it's that's a big card, and I think they'd be probably happy enough with that. But they're not, you know. We were talking about maybe two hundred, you know, two million with McGregor on it, and maybe if they, you know, if they brought another big fight onto it that they were uh, they were talking about. But I don't think, you know, I don't think that's the one that's gonna, you know, that's I don't think that's the one that's gonna push it over the edge. It's gonna be a huge fight, and I think it's actually a better fight than McGregor Diaz. But you know, oddly enough, the big, the better fights. Might get from you know, they're not e- as easy to promote a lot of times. Go on. Dana hinted, or didn't he say at the press conference the other day that he was working on another fight? Like, first he of was. all, he got very snappy. With, sorry, just on that, he yeah. got very snappy with the media yeah. at that press conference, and absolutely hat tip, stand up, stand innovation. Ariel Helwani yeah. played an absolute stormer, like. There's another guy there as well, a huggy bear looking dude with a beard who was really good as well. But look, regardless of all that, I, you know, I, I, I think this fight will be big, but it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be huge, especially after John Jones' performance the last day. Um, you know, he came in against OSP. Uh, personally, I thought he was going to, you know, he was going to wreck house. I thought he was going to look good against OSP. And it, it just didn't didn't go go that way. Before I give my thoughts on it, what what were your thoughts on the the fight? To be honest, as I said earlier on, probably the most boring fight on the card that I saw that night. It was I, all I was thinking of after the DJ fight was lovely. That was going to go five rounds. Now we've got a first round finish. Jones will come in, do his thing, and I'll be home in bed dead early. And I won't have to worry about waking up late for Clan Wars on Sunday. Instead, 25 minutes later of a John Jones entrance, let alone before you get into the cage for the fight. Yeah, we are <laughs> punch the girl in the face. Yeah, brilliant. We were, um, John Jones arrested for assault. Uh, <laughs> it was... You've got to clear that up, actually. He was hugging someone in the crowd and he accidentally punched a girl in the face. Well, he didn't actually punch a girl. That's all. There you go. We love okay. John Jones. Um, okay, so shines of brilliance. Okay, mm-hmm. I think fair to say. You know the, the things that maybe we were expecting to see him from what he had teased on his Instagram. He actually was able to pull off in his fight. In particular, a jumping oblique kick to the knee, which uh, he had been drilling, saying you ain't seen nothing yet. He, I think, he put up an Instagram drilling it with Brandon Gibson a couple of weeks ago so he hit that once and it looked absolutely sickening continued that attack still looked pretty good um, like all around good but then a couple of times like when he had the finish in my opinion he had the finish in his sights and he had the potential to be able to finish it and from watching that and then hearing what he said afterwards about how he kind of felt like he was watching himself 
fight mm-hmm. as opposed to actively being in there. I was like, yeah, okay. That, and he said that almost immediately after the fight. That's not a, yeah. I watched it back and made an excuse. That was his immediate feelings directly after the fight, generally when you'll get a fighter to be most honest about the performance. So even he admitted that he wasn't going on all cylinders. I heard a brilliant analysis from someone today and I'm very sorry that I can't think of it. They said that the sport has changed since... Was it, it was DC. It was DC on the MMAR. He said the sport has changed since John Jones has last fought. Now, whether he was trying to make a careful joke in relating to the USADA uh, stuff that has come in, or he just said the way people that... Did you see him on the MMAR? Did he say the way people... Yeah. F- the way people fight now are differently. Oh, Ivy's with Ivy's with Ivy's being banned because of Usada. Fi- uh, fighters are completely different because they're not rehydrating di- uh, properly. Jones is a big light heavyweight, maybe cutting down affected him this time since he wasn't able to rehydrate. Maybe the same way that he was in the past. But all that sticks out to me is the fourth round when he got him to the ground, was able to get to a really dominant position. You're just thinking, that's it, time to go home now. And just like he he lacked. The killer instinct, like he just lacked his kill switch. It was it yeah. was it was a really weird one. It was like someone who um, was playing SmackDown versus their nephew that uh, didn't know, and the nephew didn't know how to play the game. So you were just like doing finishers on them off the top of the hell in the cell repeatedly and not uh, not pinning them. I think there was a little bit of ring rust there. I don't think ring ring rust was a huge oh, factor in the fight. Sorry, 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 sorry. Because you said ring rust. The guys, um, I found this absolutely fascinating afterwards he was talking about how the opponent change really fucked him up, about how it really affected him that you're going to a new opponent. And I think it's it's very, I'd love to analyse the psyche of these guys when they're talking like, Connor talks about how there is no opponent and he doesn't plan for a specific, and then you've got an equally as world-class fighter, like arguably one of the greatest to ever live and he game plans specifically for guys and it threw off a lot of the stuff that he had planned for someone like Daniel Cormier he wasn't able to hit against Ovens, uh, against OSP yeah like when I think of Ring Rust I think of it like as guys going in and not being able to find their timing not being able to land their shots but Jones was a little bit like that but I think it was more a case of and he said it himself that he, you know, he wasn't letting go. He found it very hard to let go. When he did let go, I think he was finding him, finding his his spot, and he was doing well. But I think you know he was trying to be too perfect, and that's you know that's a little bit of um, a little bit of a thing he's kind of struggled with for him. I remember him saying in one of his old fights that um, Greg Jackson told him in in the in the corner to have fun, to enjoy it, and then he came out and did a lot better. You know, what a big thing as well. You you talk about him getting in a clinch and not getting his finisher you know one thing he always does when he has a guy clinched you know he throws that spinning back elbow and you know he, he nearly knocked Gustafson out with it he you know he hit uh, Stefan Bonner with it he hit Cormier with it I think he throws it in every fight and he had about four or five opportunities to throw it and he just couldn't get it off and I think it was it was like that that kind of epitomised his whole night he was like that um, obviously there was a little bit of ring rust as well uh, on that reason but I think you, you have to give credit to OSP too he was an awkward opponent for him. Like you saw when he got Jones, Jones got him down. He couldn't hold him down. He got straight back up. I think he's very good at that. I mentioned it on the podcast last week. That's one of his best things to do. Um, but like OSP is, he, I think he's the makings of an absolutely brilliant fighter. But he needs to go to a camp. He, like he needs to go to Firas Sahabi or Greg Jackson or someone like that. He's still at he's his very loyal back. to his team though, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he needs to. He needs to cut that out. 
he honestly I'm, I know it might sound bad but he has to he cannot throw a jab out of the southpaw stance literally can't throw a jab I said it here last week and like it was detrimental to him the last day when he changed to orthodox and when he was able to was jab that in the second stance, round when he uh, when he actually caught Jones flush yeah, beautifully Jones like big right hand it's, and he caught him because he threw a combo because he was able to throw a jab out of the southpaw stance he, was li- he literally cannot throw a jab with his right hand it's amazing for a fighter to have got to number six in the world and he can't throw a jab. What arm like, did he break in the fight? He broke his uh, left arm, I okay. think. And that's, Never mind. that's why it struggled. He like Because he realised that, which, which I was the most impressed with. It was the most impressive thing from either guy in the fight that Ovin St. Pru realised that he was winning, the, or not winning the fight, but had his chance to win the fight by fighting in the orthodox stance, by throwing his jab at his left hand and throwing his right after it and throwing in combos. It was combos that were making him, uh, giving him all the success he had. And I was impressed that he stayed in the orthodox stance for like three or four minutes at a time sometimes. But obviously when he broke his hand in, that kind of had to go out the window, so his chance went. But he caught Jones four times flush in the face and I don't think anyone has ever done that to him before one of them like it rocked Jones back and I, I oh yeah like completely night, I thought he was about to take a knee eyes. like yeah. yeah Joe Rogan didn't mention it in the commentary but I think that's probably the most rock John Jones has ever been in, you know, in his whole career um, so you have to give credit to SP look Jones came through he won the, he won the fight easily still but um, it, it was a tough you know it was a tough matchup to look good in. John didn't look good. Um, but, you know, it, all in all, it was just a kind of a bad fight. Neither of them fought to their full potential, you know. Um, John's, because he was... He because he was just I don't know he didn't pull the trigger I think he'd be better in the next the next ones and OSP because he just he looks like a novice he actually does he looks like a guy who started fighting last week and said look I'm really athletic I'm really strong and stuff come on we have an old fight and he's fighting in there five rounds with the best guy in the world so like I'd, I'd love to see him under Farah Sabi I think he can, I honestly think he could go a long way if he if he did that like if he even did it for a year and moved up to Montreal and. You know, I honestly think he has. If he could learn to jab, even a throw jab from his right hand, he'd be an unbelievable fighter. Because it's his left hand, his left power hand is actually his best weapon, and he can't land it because he can't throw a jab with his right hand. The analyst. Yeah. Sean yeah, what, Sheehan. What about. Okay, we'll get on to she the. fans. We'll get on to the comment of Insta where my analysis was. Oh, the next two fights, actually, my analysis was spot on for both of them. Uh, last week I said Henry Cejudo's only chance in this fight, and he had a chance was to get in between the clinch, in between the striking exchanges, get a hold of Demetrius Johnson, pull him to the ground, and wrestle him, which is exactly what he did at the start of the fight. The and easiest Johnson, we've ever seen DJ taken down, Joe. And Demetrius Johnson still beat him. Demetrius <laughs> Johnson gave him the clinch three times. He gave it to him. He gave Henry Cejudo what he wanted, where he wanted to be. He let him do it, and he still beat him, but, demolished him. But, if but anything, no. that performance, in my opinion, showed that maybe that was something... Like We've spoken before in the podcast, and the mixed martial arts community has said that Matt Hume is a brilliant coach, yeah. that Demetrius Johnson has an excellent team behind him that just works very, very well for him. Do you know, like... Okay, this guy is going to want to be in the clinch. So, Demetrius, we're going to work on you being absolutely far too good in the clinch for him. This guy will not expect how good you're going to be in here. And this is where you're going to do most of your damage. That's what separates two 
good fighters from great fighters. Like I mentioned at the weekend that the Pettis brothers tr- try to be not one-dimensional, if that makes sense, right? So the Pettis brothers, if you get into a clinch with the Pettis brothers, rather than separating and getting to their striking, they'll fight you in the clinch and they'll try to beat you in the clinch. And that's, as I said, that's what separates good fighters from great fighters because they won't beat you in the clinch. But they might be, you know, it might be even. And they'll lose a fight because they try to fight you that way and not push you out and get the better good. Whereas Demetrius Johnson, he'll get in the clinch and he'll beat you in that clinch. Or he'll get taken down and he'll beat you from the bottom. He'll submit you. Or, you know, he. if you think you're the best striker in the world and you stop all of it, he won't even try to take you down. He'll beat you on the feet. Or if you're the best wrestler in the world, which Henry Cejudo is, he let you wrestle him and he let you get him in the clinch and he'll still beat you. He's just, that's, I, I, you know, I think the debate is over. I think Demetrius Johnson is the best fighter pound for pound in the world. I don't think there's any doubt about it now. You know, he's, if you're looking technique for technique, like, I think people get this mixed up because John Jones is the best fighter to ever live. Like, there's no man that has ever lived that could be John Jones in a fight. I don't think when he's at his best. But Demetrius Johnson, if Demetrius Johnson, if it was all level, if all things were level, I think Demetrius Johnson would destroy John Jones. I think he would. His skills are so good. I, I watched the fight again today. He, you know, he has the mo- like the movement of uh, Conor McGregor. He has power of fucking Mark Hunt for his weight. Ooh, he has, well, the, you know, he has the re- he has that. Oh, he has very good power for his weight. Like he's he's a lot of knockouts in his last uh, few fights. He he knocked him out, like he knocked him out of fucking body shot and this. He, he can attack to the body. Unbelievable takedowns. Good takedown defense. Good jujitsu. Everything. Oh, okay. I'm a Demetrius Johnson fan, but he's the best I, fighter gonna, to ever live. I'm I'm gonna just offer a little a little take on that. What? I don't think he has unbelievable power. See, just gonna be this fight. I think he is fantastic precision, Sean. You know, because precision beats power, yeah? yeah? And I think it's the case that it's not like he's got steel implants in his hands. I think he's I, unbelievable power as well. I, I have to. I, I think, no, I just think that he's he's learned how to use what he has. He's just perfectly learned how to use what he has. He, um, the, gee, I'm, I'm confused here between clinches. He landed, because uh, I'm thinking of Decky Dalton's fight at the weekend as well. <laughs> he, he landed... Both men landed sick elbows in the fight. Yeah. Demetrius landed a really, really good right elbow, if I'm not mistaken, before ty- finishing up in the clinch. Yeah. And the two knees that followed before Demetrius broke the clinch were the most... Like, you could see it in Henry Cejudo's face. Like, when you're talking about watching the eyes on John Jones, I noticed it in his face. That was Cejudo planting his feet, thinking, I'm hurt... I need to tense my body up completely here and take whatever he's about to give me because if I show anything, I'm going to crumble and I'm going to drop. It's like when a fighter, it's like when someone says, come on till I hit you hit in the arm there. You just completely tense your arm up. Not that anyone ever says, come on till I hit you in the arm there, but if you're playing a game of dead arms or if you have to get a dead arm for a forfeit or something like that, you're going to tense your arm completely. And my voice went, went weird there because I was tense in my right arm, Sean. And that's what happens. His body locked up. Those two knees, rapid fire, right knees, right to the ribs, right to his chest. He was just like, okay, I've taken these and I don't have any more. Like, I can't take any more of these. This is just... It too much the finish came soon after Demetrius just swarmed him you could see the way that he attacked the body we're massive advocates here on the Severe MMA podcast of attacking the body we say mm-hmm. it is a vastly underutilised tool in the sport of mixed martial arts and maybe Demetrius Johnson is just that smart 
of a mother effort that he was like, okay, this time, since we're going to be in the clinch a lot, I'm going to absolutely take his body apart. I know you get into a couple of squabbles with him. I know it's all just Twitter beef. But Grabaka Hitman posted a great video today of... Never going to squabble with Grabaka Hitman, did I? Uh, something about McGregor recently, or was that someone else? That was someone else. That was someone else, never mind. Uh, I think he may have been tagged in one or two tweets. But yeah. you, who who did he post today? Kid Yanamoto versus this guy that uh, got gold in the Olympics in 2004 in freestyle wrestling. And the, how he beat him was very, very similar to what Demetrius Johnson did against Henry Cejudo as well. Being able to control the clinch, being able to up and like defend defend the wrestling attacks to be able to strike off them like it was just Demetrius Johnson put in probably technically and clinically his best performance we've seen in the UFC so far against the guy that everyone thought was going to give him maybe one of the hardest the hardest fights of his career so far yeah. I I don't think a lot of people actually did think he was going to give him one of the hardest fights of his career so far uh, but I did I definitely did I like Henry Cejudo, that's why I was so impressed with it. I think Henry Cejudo is legit. I think he's his clinch is unbelievably good. He's a good boxer. You know, he's pretty fast. He's obviously not as fast as Demetrius Johnson, but people like, have... he is he is championship level fighter. He, I think if he wasn't there, he you know, Demetrius wasn't there. I think he'd be challenging Joseph Benavidez for the championship. I think it'd be them. But Demetrius Johnson is on another level. It, you know, I can't stress how good he is. Like I watch. I watch a lot of tape fights and I never see anyone as good as him as what, at what he does. Like, he's, his footwork, his movement, it's not that he's fast, it's just that he's good. He moves, and as you said, he, you know, he's in, he moves to the right places, his timing is perfect. He's just brilliant. Like, he can swarm in with big shots like, an Anthony, like Anthony Johnson does. Or he can hit you from the outside like John Jones does. You know, he can wrestle you like, you know, like the best in the world. And he, you know, he's just... Brilliant. Kick like Wonderboy. He can do everything. Couldn't submit me in the gi, though. He's only a white belt. Yeah, he said he wants to get his blue belt. Imagine yeah. that. That's all he wants Fucking next. Hell. That's mad, isn't it? What That's a man. Insane. But I don't want him to fight uh, Dominic Cruz. He, it's too much of a move up. He's, Dominic Cruz is just too big for him. He's too strong. We saw that before. Like, okay, it'd be a good fight. I'd like to see the fight. But I don't, I don't want Demetrius Johnson going up losing for the sake of losing like I, I'd rather just see him take on all comers just let him fight guys again I'm I'm okay I've, I think enough time has passed now for the Justin Benavidez fight to happen again I think that could happen or Neil Siri is going to be 4-1 if he beats um, if he Haraguchi. beats Haraguchi Ireland Stranger needs a fight pass needs title, title fights why not Chris uh, Carriasso get yeah. in there yeah. if that doesn't happen though I think Lewis Smolka is the next guy I think Lewis Smolka is a good fighter as well, um, so I think one of the two of them are going to be the next guys in line if he doesn't fight this tough twenty-four. But like, I think bring a title shot to Ireland, title fight to Ireland. I think Ireland deserve it after the last, after the last card fell apart. The co-main event and the main event went. You know, we were left with a shambles of a card. I think Ireland could do it one, could do with a, a title fight. And I think you know, I think Neil Siri would be a good gamer there for, um, for Demetrius Johnson. I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to beat him or anything, but I think he just. You know, I think he'd be a good fight. Why not? He'd give him as good a fight as Henry Cejudo gave him anyway. He'd give him as good a fight as a lot of those guys gave him. So there you go. On the record, even though Stephen Larry put it up on Facebook, I suppose you are Did the he? man now who's officially campaigning for Neil Series ah, title shot. It. Did he put? I put it up on Twitter as well today. Did he put it up before me? Oh, I don't know. I'll have to check that before yeah. we call him out. Ready um, for Neil Series. 
I have to I have to admit to you here, Sean. Yeah. Bad news. Oh. Well. So because of the time that I finished work at, I was able to watch the first fight on the main card. Fili against Rodriguez. What did you think of that knockout? That was an absolute. Well, look, I think we were denied. Like about it being like one of the best knockouts in the world, we were denied the potential of seeing what an overhead kick knockout or a bicycle kick knockout would have looked like in mixed martial arts because that would have been better than the Showtime kick. That's like that's what Eric Cantona was looking for when he jumped into the crowd. Like that was probably, I was so upset that that didn't land. What Rodriguez I was, what I was like, Paulo Daniel. What I was more happy with though is all of the jujitsu that happened in the first round. I'm sure you were delighted with it as well. We saw a leg drag, a leg drag, a move that's utilized in sport jujitsu was being used at the weekend. It's absolutely fantastic. Leg drags. Uh, trying to pass guard that way, controlling legs and shin, or controlling legs with shins. Beautiful jujitsu. Mm. Yeah, there'll be more jujitsu talk later on, Andrew. We well, have, I haven't we, seen we, the EBI yet. Uh, but you, I've seen it all. I saw I know, it all. Well, look, I was away last night. I've been flat out all day. We're recording the podcast at half twelve at night. I haven't had a moment to myself. Will you let me watch me jujitsu in my own time? Okay. Um, if we're talking about the finish, though, beautiful flying knee. The fight up to that point, in my opinion. Even though Rodriguez, I think, was en route to winning the fight, it was never out of the question that maybe Feely was going to finish him because yeah. he did drop him. Was it start of the second round or end of the first round? It was the uh, second round. Start of the, fir- start of the second round, Feely dropped him after losing the first round, in my opinion, came out and was able to put it on him. It's a fight that if it had gone for longer, you're thinking, okay, he might pull something out of here. Uh, Rodriguez was throwing a lot of wild strikes. Like, ultimately... The white, well, second wildest that he threw through landed and got him the finish. But up until then, you're looking at it like, okay, he's uh, exp- maybe expending a lot of energy on these wheel kicks and different kicks that he's going for, and yeah. this could tire him out as the fight goes on. And I did say it was a flying knee, even though it was more like a flying volley to the face. Volley, yeah. So. But I think I, I tweeted it before a fight that I wasn't sold on him yet. And I said I was afterwards. I was sold. Maybe I'm not hundred percent sold yet. Like he obviously he's improved an awful lot since the last fight. And actually, what I was most impressed with was afterwards in the press conference. Ariel asked him about uh, training with Izzy Martinez, and he said that he wasn't training him anymore. He was training with someone who suits his body type and suits suits his style more. And I always like to hear guys saying that you know that they have no problem, you know, maybe changing trainers or training somewhere that's different. That's going to give him a different look at things. And I was like that. And he's obviously improved since his last fight. I think. Guys like guys that come from like a taekwondo or a karate background, you know, we think, oh, what, what will be their biggest problem? We think, oh, wrestling will be their biggest problem. Or jiu-jitsu will be their biggest problem. But it's often not. What's often their biggest problem is their hands and their boxing. I think that was Wonderboy's problem a lot, a, a lot when he started to do. And look at him now. What he's very good at is fighting with his hands off the back foot when he's put up against the cage and to make space. And I think um, the year Rodriguez's hands have improved an awful lot uh, between his last fight and this fight. And that's what, you know, that impressed me an awful lot about him. Uh, you know, if he can keep improving like that, I think he, you know, he definitely is going to be a top five, top ten fighter in that way. I didn't maybe think that before. And I think he's, he's kind of, I, I, he's changed, uh, he's changed my mind. And he's kind of turned on, to, I'm turned on, turned towards him now. I think he's going You're to be turned good. on to him. Turned on. I'm turned on. But... The last fight we're going to talk about in this card was Anthony Pettis against Edson Barboza, which again, 
which again, expert analyst Sean Sheehan called down the middle, called straight. Who did you pick in that one, Andrew? I don't think we picked anyone for that. We, I'm pretty sure we did. Did we? I'm pretty sure you picked to- Pretty Tony P to win that and told me I was an idiot for picking Nelson Barbosa. I'm pretty sure that happened last week. I'd have to go back and listen to it. <laughs> I think that happened. I, I don't think wrong. I called you an idiot because yeah, I'm pretty sure I said that I thought Edson Barbosa could have won that fight. Somebody, loads of people called me an idiot for picking him. Definitely not me, Sean. Maybe I just threw in. I am going to go back and listen to it. If I <laughs> was to put won't. money on it, yeah, I definitely won't. Oh. But I, if anyone could correct me, that remembers my picks and likes to vilify them. I could be wrong. I do think I said that Edson Barboza was a guy that had a great start to his UFC career, got a like got the losses, had a bit of trouble, fixed them, and is now en route for another run up at the, towards sounds, the top of the division. That sounds a bit familiar, in fairness. But yeah, anyway, the fight was kind of went as I expected. You know, Edson Barboza's striking is really underrated by people. I think it's underrated because. He can strike as well when he's put up against guys like Tony Ferguson, who, even though he looked absolutely wonderful in that fight, I thought, and he's looked better in all his recent fights. But he's, as I mentioned last week as well, he's been in there against guys like Evan Dunham and other guys who, you know, who mightn't be the biggest names, but are tough guys. You know, all you know, tough fights. Um, but Anthony Anthony Pettis is not that. Well, he's a tough fight, but he's not a tough fight in. He's not going to grind you. He's going to stand in the middle of the cage and he's going to strike with you, which is exactly what Edson Barboza wants. I think Edson Barboza, I said it last week as well, is probably the best striker, pure striker in the UFC lightweight division. Um, and Anthony Pettis is a very good striker as well, but it was always going to be a striker versus striker match and I think Barboza was better. A lot of people as well were saying, oh, Anthony Pettis, you know, he's didn't look good. You know, he's that wasn't the old Anthony Pettis. He, what, what's happened to him? And I just, I think Anthony Pettis, I thought Anthony Pettis looked a lot better in this fight than he did in these last few fights. Maybe that's because there was no trade to take down as well, just like Barboza, which, there, which is, there's definitely some truth to that. But he threw all, you know, he threw all of his big high kicks. His hands look pretty good. He actually, his movement looked a lot more fluid than it did, especially against Eddie Alvarez. Um, he threw those kicks as you, you were talking about the bicycle kick I think he threw one of them he threw you know all his big techniques but they weren't landing Barbosa was just too good he was beating him on, on the Clint, uh, or on the break all the time with that left hook I can't, that left hook was just absolute money the whole night for Edson Barbosa beautiful a burst Anthony Pettis uh, up with it absolutely phenomenal performance by Barbosa ruined his leg late you know just kept con- you know tearing away at it for the whole night and like Edson Barbosa is one of these guys that I've kind of ho- held out hope for being good you know he has that base and it's just the, these little improvements that need to be made all the time he's still going to struggle against guys who put pressure on him a good wrestler like there's no way he ever beats a guy like Khabib or Magomedov but you know I still I still hold out hope for him he's you know he's a top fighter I think he's going to definitely fight for a UFC title someday if he could just put you know three or four fights together good he needs good matchmaking he needs the type of matchmaking that Anthony Pettis has got for, you know for the last while like people talk about uh, you know good matchmaking Anthony Pettis like Jeremy Stevens Joe Lozon Donald Cerrone he got before his title fight come on like you're getting you're getting three guys there who are not exactly like fucking Kale Sanderson coming in against you so um, I, th- I think uh, Edson Barboza could get a little bit of that um, for Pettis as I said I thought he looked a little bit better even though you know he's on a three fights gig now wouldn't you know I wouldn't be gonna be cut. To him. gonna be cut going to be cut he's on a lot of money it wouldn't be the biggest surprise but I don't think so no he's you know he's too um, he is too you know he's too liked he's too easy markable you know I think you give him you know you give him someone that's you know that 
that he can fight with. You know, he might give him a Joe Duffy or someone like that. Someone that's going to be a good fight. You know, that he, someone, maybe not Joe Duffy because maybe that, you know, maybe an older fighter. I was going to say Lozan, but he's already fought Lozan. You know, there's guys like that. Um, Jim Miller or something, but maybe, you know, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys like that. Maybe even a Poirier. I, I, that wouldn't be a bad fight. Um, but I don't I don't think you put him in there against someone who's going to wrestle him or who's going to you know stand stand back and make it a boring fight. You need someone like as I say like a Poirier, like an Aya Quinta maybe who's actually going to fight him. Yes, I was I was wanting to interrupt you because it was so funny. Yeah. But I like how you make big sweeping analysis, good analysis and. St- analyzing statements but then yeah. include words like box the head off you in an iron <laughs> <laughs> i think i think you just said edson barboza would box the head off you at one point in that there or would box you oh uh, yeah just it was like <sighs> completely like just out of the blue like yeah he'd box you and then <laughs> back onto the rest like, that's why i'm unreal that's why i'm the best like let's let's be honest the goat tell you the goat right aside from that a little bit of other mma at the weekend mm-hmm. highlights floating all around the world Ben Henderson getting absolutely comprehensively beaten over five rounds. I want to ask you, right? Yeah. Should we have seen this coming? You know, like 170, Ben Henderson has fought light enough guys at 170 in the UFC. Not a guy that looks like he could comfortably fight at middleweight. No. To be honest, I didn't know how good Karishkov was, to be honest. I think Ben Henderson can still win fights at 170. Karshkov is a very good fighter. Like, I, th- I think, we, you know, we joked last week about, you know, oh, he's Russian, he's probably good at Tambo, we don't really know who he is. Like, I've, I've seen him, I've seen him fight before, he, you know, he's a good fighter, but I didn't think he was as good as, as he is. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to judge how good a guy are because, how good a guy is because he's not fighting against top competition. Like, he fought Ben Askren and he got beaten pretty easily by Ben Askren when he came into it with a lot of hype. And I believe the hype at that stage because I think I'd seen him fight a couple of times before that as well or maybe just the highlights or something. But he uh, kind of, I kind of wrote him off, to be honest, after that Ben Askren fight. But I think he was only like, I think someone tweeted he was only 22 or 23 when he fought him. So he's he's moved on an awful lot. Like, he's... I was very, very impressed with him. Very impressed. Like when he's his leg kicks were very good. His boxing was very good. His pressure was unbelievable. You know, he he kept attacking Ben Ben Anderson with um high knees and he knocked he knocked him down with a couple of them and Ben Ben Henderson turned into um a panic wrestler a couple of times with the <laughs> joke there. But um with those when he got hit with those knees a couple of times uh, and I went to take him down he couldn't take him down so you know very impressive performance from Karishkov for Vincent Henderson I think you you know put him down to lightweight you give him either you know Josh Thompson is fighting Michael Chandler re, uh, coming up soon whoever loses that you give to Vincent Henderson the winner of that fight will fight for the title against Will Brooks I presume so the the winner of the two said it Ben Henderson whoever loses is next set up for next title shot then after that and from that we may as well uh, finish in the Bellator talk highlight reel knockouts flashy striking a career built on a YouTube compilation prospect highlight Michael Venom Page decided to just go out and toehold somebody instead mm. absolute glorious toehold Almost nearly looked like I think I've said it before. Some guys can turn toe holds into looking like an esteem lock, foot lock, where you're nearly bringing the toe hold right into your chest. Like this was, first of all, his attitude after the finish, Sean. 
Yeah. A little bit dickheadish. We might like He explained it in the MMA or today, did you hear that? No. What did he say? Um before the fight, the dude he was fighting um came up to him and was like, Look at me, look at me in the face. Look at me, keep looking at me. And after he told him he went over and he goes, I'm looking at you now <laughs> Okay. Oh Kinda of funny. We've given yeah. props. That's okay. I'm coming at it from the point of view that I still haven't recovered from a teammate of mine toe holding me about eight weeks ago. And um, not that I haven't recovered, but if I take a knock on it, I have to ice it, and it's very sore. And Michael Venom Page held on to that toehold, I think, for a tiny, oh. teeny, teeny little bit too much. I think you blame John McCarthy there. Fair enough, but for a submission like that, I'm thinking, I know you're not supposed to stop until the referee comes in. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if it was me, fair enough, I'm a journalist, I'm not a, no I'm not, I'm an interviewer. I do jiu-jitsu, I don't fight, I don't have a killer instinct, blah, 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 whatever you want to say to me. If it was me, fair enough, a choke, you can ease up and hold the position. An armbar, once someone's tapped, you can still hold the position without extending any further. You can even relieve the position as the referee is coming into tap. Something like a heel hook, knee bar and a toe hold, you don't have such control because you're not like... Toes aren't meant to bend in the way that an arm does for an armbar, for example. Toes get fucked up. Foots get crushed. Foots break. Gordon Ryan broke... Uh, oh, my favourite. Yuri Samos, was it? Yuri Samos' yeah. foot last night. Did he? That's, yeah, that's why Samos didn't stand back up. If you go back and watch that, you'll see that uh, Samos, when he stood up, he was limping on his foot. Yeah. Um, and he played off his back then pretty much for the rest of the match against, against Ryan. Yeah. So... Uh, there's Gordon that Ryan's as well um, we'll talk about Gordon Ryan in a little while because I like him quite a lot as well but these uh, you know that that was my only take from the Michael Van Page fight beautiful performance it would have been highlight reel beauty if he had knocked him out from when the guy ran at him at the start of the fight I lost my shit when that happened I, like, I, I thought this is like, like yeah. <laughs> boom I love Michael Van Page he's up there with Wanderby he's my favourite fighter like, I love him he's brilliant imagine if they fought what would you do <sighs> I would, I'd be fucking Jeremy Bonner, no pants going around the bus. Be unbelievable. Just, that's my dream fight. I need to see that fight. Bill Torres should just release him for the happiness of everyone else. Because who's he going to fight there anyway? They keep giving him these bums. Like, I don't, apparently the guy he's fighting his next isn't bad, but he's still, he's not great. He, got, he lost to someone, he lost to someone who wasn't great recently, I think. But, um, give him Karashkov. Just make that fight. I, I've been saying give him Kimba. He'd beat Kimba. In Just an open way fight. Open way fight. Give him Kimbo in in England. He'd knock Kimbo out easily, and you make a huge star. That's what I think. But no, nobody listening. If like if Bellator are going to do these insane fights, they do might them. as well do they ones that we them. like. You yeah. might as well put a, like a young prospect up against the grizzled veteran just to see the massacre just that will ensue. See. Like just to see. Right. Last bit of news before we get on to um to the question. Sad bit of news today. Legend. Uh, Paddy Hoolan forced to retire from MMA released a statement <coughs> on his Facebook page. Are you going to read it? That, sum uh, it up? Well, I'll sum it up. And he said that he has a rare, um, rare blood disease which he was born with, which he basically hid from the UFC uh, from for his whole career. But a third party kind of told him about it. I, obviously, we don't know who that is or anything, but that he won't be able to fight again because of it, because he wouldn't be able to pass his tests and stuff. And uh, it's not something that's, you know, it's not... 
something that's if his blood passes into another person's blood, it could affect him or anything. It's it's something that can only affect him. So he wasn't ever putting anyone in danger, only himself. Um, so obviously that was when the UFC found out. I think like John Kavanaugh talked about today, he was kind of shocked about it. He didn't really know about it, you know. His manager didn't really know about it. He kind of it was something he kind of kept to himself. But um, it's sad to see him go. It's sad to hear that kind of thing come out. But look, we've been talking about health here for the last few weeks, and it's good that health is put first. And I'm, I, you know, we'd be a lot more devastated. We're devastated that he has to retire, but we'd be a lot more devastated if Paddy Ullen got a bad cut and something happened to him in the ring. So you know, it is a sad day in one way, but it is a, you know, it is a happy day in in another way. So um, best look to him. Obviously, you know him. You've been there since way before uh, the, the rest of us kind of in, in the uh, was it cage container days and, and those yeah uh, I think actually the first first time Pizzi saw him I know that I think it was at one of Barry Oglesby's shows I think Paddy was the main event and he said I think he was only going 3-0 and at the time first time I saw Paddy fight he fought Milan Kovac in my first ever MMA event he won with either a rear naked choke. choke or a triangle with one second left in the round and he was throwing himself into the cage beforehand like an absolute psycho. He was throwing himself up onto the cage afterwards. He was fighting in Tally. You could feel how much it meant to him. You could feel the passion in the arena. Like Paddy Hulahan for me is one of the best things that have, has ever come out of Irish MMA. Um, like throughout the years, like he is just one of the realest men. He sticks by his own code. He has his own code. He is an absolute, like, even just talking to him at TEF a couple of weeks ago, the form that he was in, he was so excited about this fight. He was making jokes, he was laughing, he was floating around the dressing rooms. You could tell when someone lives and breathes what to do. His ethos is something that, to be honest, inspires me as we're going forward, trying to, you know, make something of our bum lives here, that anybody can become something. Do you know what I mean? You can come from nothing and become something. And he embodied that he absolutely loved being the face of that you know being the kid from Tala like taking pride in the kids that are grappling out in the grass now in Tala instead of playing football like they used to be years ago the people that are calling up to his gaff saying like we love you do you know like different things like that he's a hero he's an like it is this is devastating news and I'm talking about this from the point of view that someone who's followed their passion who's going after what they really really wanted in life it's been taken away from them and as he brought up excellently there's people that will put things in their bodies that can intention that that can cause more harm to an opponent by them using it and he was born with a one in five million condition like this is this is heartbreaking but what the sport will lose these young fighters that are coming up in Ireland are going to gain. Paddy is already one of the most detailed coaches that I've heard about from SBG. The way that he breaks things down, he breaks it down so that everyone can understand it. And he's, uh, with SBG Tala opening in the next couple of weeks, it is he's going to hit the ground absolutely run. There will be serious memberships there. There will be brilliant people training there. Paddy being able to teach them from day one, being able to put so much effort in. Like Luca lives in Tala, Sam Slater lives in Tala. Those guys will be able to train there as well. They'll be able to have great training there. Like I'm, I, I would love to see Paddy get into more grappling now because his jiu-jitsu is that good. I'd love to see him be com- compete at the Irish Open. Do you know, like just different things like that. He is, it, it's, I, I cannot express how sad this is. He was the first guy that I ever interviewed on video um, years and years ago. 
after he won, after he beat uh, Sitenkov, the cage a cage contender a couple of years ago. I get I, absolute goosebumps listening to any song that he's ever walked out to. Um, if I minimise this right now, Sean, the wallpaper on my screen is on my laptop on my computer is Paddy Houlihan walking out at UFC Dublin and Peter Carroll with the biggest smile on his face that I've ever seen is a couple of seats ahead of me looking up at the television at Paddy walking out at UFC Dublin. Came yeah. out to ten thousand hours. The Severe May documentary about him as well, ten thousand hours, which was brilliant. Uh, coming out to the like, and do you know what? In t- as bad as this sounds. The the week that he had for UFC Dublin and now he's had to retire on it, I think that's a perfect way to go out. I know obviously you want to say that you're going to go out on top. It embodied his career, no fucks given. I did not, like, when he spoke of that media day, I got goosebumps listening to him talk, Sean. I didn't ask for this main event. I didn't ask to be put in this. I didn't know about it. I was told I was the main event. Do you know what I mean? Last time I was here, he opened the card. Now I'm main eventing it. Like of course, like of course, I'm gonna say yes. Like I like just the way that he talked about willing to die, like fighting and different things like that was just. It was always brilliant to hear, and yeah. the the Smolka fight was yeah. Fight, yeah. an absolutely brilliant fight, and you could see how devastated he was afterwards. You know, and just the, the way that he's like, I may be down now, but I'll pick myself up and I'll be back after this. Like it just. I'll tell you a good story about that. Actually, legend, like. Paddy Hulahan, we love you. Yeah, after that fight, you know he was very down and everything. But um, we went to the press conference and stuff afterwards, and I was I was kind of got talking to Ken early and stuff. And Patrick went way back afterwards, and I think he, I know he went for food or something. But anyway, wherever he was doing when he was coming back into the Gibson afterwards, he was it was himself and Paddy Hulan and someone else in the in the elevator going up to the to the Gibson ride. And Patrick was like, you know, I was kind of talking to him, and you know, he, was, you could talk, he obviously could tell he was a bit down. He goes, ah, you nearly had that fucking twister. Uh, Patrick said to him, you know, because Paddy nearly cost uh, Lewis Morgan a twister enough. I remember that. Yeah. And apparently Paddy Hoolan just like lit up and he goes, ah, I fucking did. And like, like he just went straight from like down to real happy. And like, you know, he talked away, you know, he talked away to Patrick. Like he obviously didn't know who he was or anything, but you know, he, he talked away like someone that obviously didn't know what it was, you know, and stuff. He, he loved that. He got, you know, it was, it was a clear, you know, even his lowest moments, you know, something like that could come out of him. But it was like, he was clear that he always loved the game and stuff. And obviously you said there he's fights in UFC Dublin as well. Like, that was the first ever UFC fight I was ever at, the Paddy Ewell and Joss Ampo one. And it was maybe one of the greatest atmospheres ever at UFC fight, maybe. Even like... So you were the key. It was unbelievable. I was the key. I was the key. First was, Irish fighter, first event in like, a long time, coming yeah, out, they were mad for it. Absolutely like. packed. And just his reception he got and the whole fight was just... You know, it was absolute madness. Like, has has anyone ever got a reception for for a finish in the first round of a UFC fight as he got in that fight? I don't think it's ever happened. So he can, you know, he won three of his five fights in the UFC. He can, you know, he can always be proud of the career he had. But you know, it's a sad day to see him go. But it's obviously wishing best. You even see guys, as you said, there he's a good career and in, in um, training coming up. Uh, um, recent or Dylan Took. Always talks about him that Paddy Hoolan is, you know, Paddy Hoolan and <coughs> Ashley Daly are the two people that kind of Tommy are always with as him. Well. And, yeah, another and one in his corner. Yeah. Influenced. And, you know, those are some of the best guys coming up. Richie there Smullen. And, yeah, big influence on him. So he's definitely going to, you know, he's going to be around with them as they come up. I, and I wouldn't be surprised, like, if he's, you know, if he's cornering the UFC against him there. 
sooner rather than later. I would mm-hmm. I would suspect. Yeah. Um. So on that, are we gonna anything um, you want to tell the people here before I get on to the questions? Yeah, I'll get on to the questions, or I'll give an old shout out again. Again, if you want to enter that competition, go over to Twitter, and you can we'll put up the tweet, um, and you can retweet it, or you can um just tweet it out yourself. Follow at Severe May Pod and follow at Sports Rate Shop. So it's at S P O R T R A I T S H O P. Um, and you can win one of their prints. Obviously, they're beautiful prints. You can have a look. If you go go to that Twitter handle, you can click on the website. There's loads of good ones. And our sponsor as well, RashNutrition.com. Um, head on over there to that website and they have all the best workout stuff for your gains. You know, if you're planning on being the next. Conor McGregor, if you're planning on being the next Robbie Keane, if you want to come out, if you want to be the next Andrew O'Shaughnessy or Mike Hoolan or Gary Kirby or one of those brilliant hurlers, you know, no idea who any of those people. If you are. want to be one of them, get get over, head on over to RashNutrition.com. Use the promo code Severe and may get twenty five percent off your first order. RashNutrition.com. There we go. Probably fitting enough because I didn't scroll down to the bottom this week since we, the questions have only been out for a couple of hours. Mr. Podge, we have to give him the first question. Of course. Unfortunately, he said what's next for Paddy Hulan. We've discussed it there yeah. um, at length, coaching, and he's going to be an absolutely fantastic coach. But his follow-up question was, Connor still wants to be on UFC 200, clearly. Have the UFC backed themselves into a corner, and how bad would it look if they back down now? Yeah. They've, I think he's how he felt or snatch also asked the same question <laughs> I think they have backed themselves into so much of a corner that they can't put him on now at this very moment but things change very quickly in MMA what if they make Daniel Cormier against John Jones and we'll say three weeks time Daniel Jones falls over a you know a banana peel and twists his ankle and has to pull out of the fight could be very quick to look for uh to, to look for Conor McGregor then, couldn't they? Well, that's a good follow-up into Brian McLaughlin's question, BMC Dublin. He said, if Jones's foot is worse than expected or DC doesn't get cleared later today, do the UFC then swallow their pride and get Conor and Nate on UFC 200? Maybe not this quickly, but I could definitely see it happening. You know, I wouldn't put that out of the question at all. And uh, and from that on, uh, MMA Fitz says, I know DC touched, well, this is me saying this, I know DC touched on this today saying there's not enough of the cheese to go around, um, but do you think that Jones, Cormier and Connor could end up on the same card at UFC 200? No, I don't think so. And if so, which one would be the main event? <sighs> Jesus, no, I don't think it'll happen. There's too much pay-per-view points to be given out there. Um, I think if... I think if they were both on the UFC 200, I think McGregor would be the main event over Jones, DC. Uh, David Nuddy would like to know, just to take a wee break from the next martial arts style questions, how many hours a week sleep does Sean Sheehan actually get? Um, You're doing okay these days, I believe. <laughs> no, I do actually no, worse than ever. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah. Uh, you just always seem to be texting at reasonable hours these days. <laughs> That's because I'm up really late. Yeah, I don't know. I get a couple of hours every. I, like, I, I'm a big advocate of napping during the day. If you don't too, get yeah, sleeps at night, see, I do miss severe and stuff, obviously. But then I work as on. Well I work at the evenings, so I can. It doesn't matter. I can kind of stay up all night. and I can just sleep in in the morning. Um, but I, like, I'd usually, I'd usually get about five or six hours a night, and then maybe I you know, snooze away for another couple of hours on the couch or something. It's uh, it's five past one at the moment, Sean. 
Yeah. And I am up at six. Half six. Oh, that's right. Long rough. day and I'll be in Dublin until half ten tomorrow night. Ah, that's here. a day of grinding. That's 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 what we do here. Uh, John Harker, Cape May Irish, wants to know, is Michael Venom Page the best British fighter or just overlooked as he's not in the UFC? Um, who else is there? Well, I'm about, well, we can link it into the next question. Yeah. Of how good is Darren Till and when is he fighting next? I think, think Michael Venom Page is a lot better fighter than Darren Till. Um... I do think Michael Vinnie Page is the best English fighter at the moment. Although Liam McGeary, Liam McGeary is pretty good. Michael Bisping, I think Michael Bisping is over the hill, obviously. Michael but he's Bisping, still a very good fighter. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Michael Vinnie Page. Probably someone I'm definitely forgetting, but yeah, I think Michael Vinnie Page is the fighter. You know, you are always slagging the kind of the English media and stuff that they don't have anyone to get behind. I think Michael Vinnie Page is the guy to get behind. You know, but they, like, they're you know. It's kind of maybe it's a bit hard. I was yeah, I was actually thinking about it today. I mean, it's funny maybe we'll talk about it in depth when we in one of the the slower weeks. But I think it's very tough. It's easier for Ireland to kind of us getting the bandwagon of, of fighters because we, you know, we don't have that thing. You know, we don't have a sport that we go to every week. Like football is soccer is an institution in England. Like and like you know, seventy thousand people from each With city arms. God, you know they go to a soccer match every week, and that's their their life bread. Like that's, you know, and they might watch a boxing match a couple of times a week, but it's, a couple of times a year. But it's very hard for them, you know, to someone to get totally into MMA. Well, Ireland is maybe a little bit different. America is a little bit different as well. There's a lot more people and things. And I think, you know, it's hard for MMA to break into that. You're going to have a bunch of hardcores, but I think it's harder to break into the kind of the mainstream media in or the mainstream um, fan base in England as it is here. Um, so like, even if they had kind of a Conor McGregor figure I don't know would it be possible to even do it um, a great question from Keith Kavanagh Keith Cav MMA a 20 year old just made more dollar rolling with four dudes on Fight Pass than most of the UFC roster make opinion on EBI's future and what did you think of it Sean as the man was, who watched it all I was very impressed with it um, the only problem with it was no replays no replays. Well, there was a few problems with it. Okay, yeah, no replays, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, another problem was that the extra time was very confusing. Okay. Someone like me. Was it explained I, I, on the broadcast? It was explained, but they need to explain it better, and they need they need to officiate it better. So what you need to do is like say, okay, Eddie Bravo, when he when it gets extra time, he needs to be on the microphone. He needs to say. Extra time one, period one. He needs to say, like, extra time one, period two, extra, you know, whatever. Give him names like that to do it. Because, you know, Death is this, you're, like, you're thinking, is, is this the fourth time they've been put back together or the third time? You know, you're like, oh, what does it mean? You know, even the commentators are kind of like that. So they need to clear that up. But these are things that can be cleared up. Um, but there's also the problem with it as well is you're you're going to get guys like that Russian guy, Rustam um, Siskov or something, I think his name is, or something like that, who basically is just the stopper kind of he's just anti-jujitsu and people which makes you know it made half the thing boring like it's just Gordon Ryan caught him very well at the end that that got up with like he made the whole final boring until it got to the it got to the end like he made all of his matches boring but and like the other side of it was really good um I thought Samoy's caught um Gary Tonin very well uh Tonin Tonin is one of those guys, isn't he, who just kind of goes out and tries to make it exciting, which you've got to love. Like, But um, 
he trains with with Gordon Ryan, doesn't he? Gordon Ryan, I think Gordon he Ryan's is, uh, excellent. He's Gordon Ryan's teacher. Yeah, yeah. I think Gordon Ryan could be passing him out in a few years. Gordon, like, okay, not like I think this is the one story, Sean, of being a hipster at something that you will actually believe because yeah. of how much I like jujitsu. But I follow all of those guys on Instagram, and I have for quite a while. Gordon Ryan actually has a younger brother called Nicky Ryan, who's only born, I think, in two thousand and one. I think he's only tweeting that actually. I think he's only fifteen, and he is apparently going to be much better than Gordon is. So they all train under the same family, like Henzo Gracie, um, Tom DeBlas, and then Gary Tonin's gym, Burnswick BJJ. But trains all about like Eddie Cummings and. Uh, part of John Danaher's death squad different things like that and um, there's a brilliant match on YouTube as you're now uh, into competitive grappling you saw oh, the I was like you saw the the teenage girl fight yeah that was good Grace uh, is it Grace Gun- Gundry okay what, what, that's look I'm getting on I'm getting on so I'm telling you what did she get her picture in? What was it called? It, it was, was called? A, the Dead Orchard. So there's yeah, a guy called there's a guy like called Nathan, Nathan Orchard, yeah. who's a ten planet guy as well. It's pretty much an armbar slash triangle with both arms in. So it's like for the ultra flexible oh, yeah. people. It's like a really really high guard, high close guard that he can then lock and change into triangles and armbars. But um, he had a great match with Gordon Ryan. It's 17 minutes long. It was a sub-only one. It was only a couple of weeks ago. Thanks. And um, Ryan Ryan beat him. The one thing I want to ask, though, did Gordon Ryan play possum guard at any stage in the tournament? Uh, I don't know, but I he, don't think so. He, he casually me. lets people mount him to try and leg lock them off it. <laughs> he actually did that, but he didn't uh, leg lock someone. What did he do? Was it him or, or um, Gary Tonin? I, no, it was Gary Thornan did that, I think. Gary Thornan almost did, laid did someone he? from the mount, yeah. Well then. Well, maybe um, it was right. Someone, one of the two of them did it anyway. In yeah. in closing, this tournament, the EBI 6, had a lot of big names scheduled to compete in it at one stage or another. And it seemed like there was a couple of pullouts. Do you think the few, like, I think after the success of that, maybe you're not going to have the bigger guys queuing up to go do it because... I don't want to say long term, it's worth less of them. Like getting tapped by someone like Gordon Ryan in the final, that had been like Andre Galvao or a, let's just say like a really good, good, well-established black belt. Then it's going to look bad on them long term for their their jiu-jitsu careers, I, I suppose. Um, if I'm going to say anything that I want to see in grappling, Gordon Ryan versus Keenan Cornelius in a no-gi submission-only super fight anywhere. Just on the next Polaris card, on the next EBI is a super fight. Anywhere, it has to happen. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, to be honest. There you go. Um, a couple of last so, oh, yes. oh, go Just on. one more thing, a point of discussion that I wanted to ask you. How come leg locks seem to be the thing in... Darren Mackin also asked about uh, about the EBI as well. Sorry, I'm only seeing it there. Leg locks are like the big thing in jujitsu. It's like seemingly everyone's kind of doing it, especially as you said that, you know, the Eddie Cummings, Gary Tone, and Gordon Ryan kind of guys. Uh, but leg locks are kind of useless in MMA, like apart from a couple of guys who do them. How come? How come that's the case? You know, if they're so, you know, they're so effective in nogi jujitsu, but they're barely ever used in MMA. I think it's because it's, you, know, you don't have to worry about being hit. In jiu-jitsu. Yeah, so there's a lot more time to get 
upside down, legs entangled. Okay, I need to pull this across before pulling the other leg across before scissoring my legs to be able to squeeze before I roll and then I'm going to ca- catch him in a double heel hook. Things like that. If you're dropping down for those things in jiu-jitsu, you don't have to worry about getting punched in the face. Um, that being said, I do think of someone like Gary Tonin, Gordon Ryan, Eddie Cummings. Um, hopefully we'll see it more from Ryan Hall, who's been able to show more well-roundedness in his jiu-jitsu in his, from what we've seen in MMA and especially Augusto Mendez as well, Tanquinho, who I think was signed to the UFC and then he released. Fought. Oh, was he? I, I think he was he released. Fought, uh, he fought, no, no, what's his name? No name. You call him once before famously. Cody Nolov. He got knocked out. That was the dude. That was on it? short notice though as well, I think, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Was he released? I hope he wasn't. <sighs> He's supposed to be good. I thought, I I thought, thought so. Was. Either way, I still think there would be nothing stopping those guys from coming in and winning in MMA via those methods. I think when you're that much yeah. better than people at certain things in jiu-jitsu, it will come through. I, th- I think it's, without a doubt, it will come through. Then again, I was, yeah. I don't know, like, it wasn't really uberly successful for Gary Tonin. Ian Entwistle looks like he only knows how to do heel hooks. You know, or for, uh, did I say Dean Lister or Gary Tonin? You said Gary Tonin, you meant Dean Lister. Dean Lister, yeah. Um, Dean Lister was supposed to compete at the weekend. He was meant to be in it as well. Miles bigger than the rest of them, wouldn't he? Yeah, exactly. Like that—that's the thing. Like Gary Tonin went against Rusemar Pal Harris and didn't get heel hooked. Do you know? Like, oh, of course he didn't heel hook him, but uh, I don't know. It's—I would like to see it evolve a little bit more in MMA. Also, gloves probably aren't helping the matter. Yeah. Do you know? Like, uh, interview up on the Severe YouTube page with Gavin Kelly. We talked about Darces at the weekend because he finished Steve McComb one. He's like no gi grappling. I finished that. The first one. I, I was looking up actually. I kind of went jujitsu mad over the weekend. I was looking up like the top thirty-seven submissions in jujitsu, and I was like studying them all, looking at different videos, and I finally learned the different difference between a dash shock and a, and a, an anaconda shock. Ah, go on. And the dash shock, it's you go in under the arm and go out over the head. Yes. And the anaconda shock, you go in at the neck and under the arm. You go out under the arm. Correct. Yeah, and I also looked up. I also saw this, the X shock, which I'd never seen before, which is sweet. You can only do in the gi, though. Can't a baseball bat choke, or no, an X choke from mount. An X choke where you put one hand inside the neck lapel and the other hand inside the other neck lapel and cross them over, and then you pull them towards each other, and you fucking choke the shit out of a dude. I look up the baseball choke too. It's a different but baseball choke is actually sim- similar. Yeah, baseball bat choke is lovely, but an X yeah. an X choke can be hit from mount and guard but I'd be more preferential to a loop choke from close guard as opposed to an X choke but what you would see just to finish on the technique talk what you would see a lot of guys do is maybe if they had their right hand deep in the right collar they'll put their left hand just above it so it's both on the right side then they'll get a good grip of the of the collar of the like up just around the neck and then they'll um, from there so imagine that both hands are right on top of each other the left hand, which is going to be the one on top, will go over the head yeah. while keeping the grip. So the forearm is coming across the other guy's neck and now you're in an X as well. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really, really effective choke. I, f- I finally learned what a bone arrow choke is as well. Yeah, the Andrew McGann, Robin yeah. Hood. Robin Hood. As they called me, yeah. Um, will Martin MMA, a good friend of the podcast. Just how great is Demetrius Johnson? I think the guy's incredible, but would he ever get as big, as huge as the Connors or the Joneses? No, or is that just his gimmick that he's never going to be that big, and it's cool because we can appreciate him for the absolute lit fighter that he is. Yeah, I said lit, yeah. yes. He's too small, and he's not. 
he doesn't have Alpha the personality enough. His personality, I think, is really good. I think he's really funny. I think he's interesting. I think he's a nice guy. I like, I like him. But most people don't. Like, people like dickheads. Let's be honest here. That's why people like me so much. It's why the hot guys get the hot girls. Yeah. Um, question from Leo Duggan. Tommy McCafferty. That's all he wrote. <laughs> How you see it unfolding and who fighting, wins. Uh, he's fighting recently. Key. He says he reckons it'll be pure violence. He's also heading to Vegas next week and he must see MMA landmarks to go to. Maybe not MMA landmarks. Oh, well, yeah. The Las Vegas Fight Store. Um, tell them that severe MMA sent you. Um, also, Fogo for Brazilian food. Um, Shake Shack is pretty nice on the Vegas Strip as well. Not too sure if there's any fighting related things. You could go see the T-Mobile Arena. Go see where UFC 200 is going to be. Um, I think the UFC are planning a physical Hall of Fame in the future. But take a step back, Sean, to his first question. What do you make? What's his first question? Tommy McCafferty, Reese McKee, probably going to be the best domestic fight you see in Irish MMA in 2016. Or that anyone will see in Irish MMA in 2016. Yeah, it's difficult to know how Tommy McCafferty is going to bounce back. And he's, was his last fight that Brian Moore lost? Yeah. Was it? Yeah, so, you know... I think he has a lot of potential. Like, remember, he two losses in a row? No, didn't Teddy, he? Um, Teddy Violet Teddy Violet, and yeah. Brian Moore. Yes, he was, like, he was, we, you, you were talking about it on here, and I think Graham was talking about it, and other people, like, he was maybe, and he was talking about it himself, that he was kind of maybe on the verge of the, of the UFC, maybe one or two wins away. Obviously, a big setback now, just that, like, maybe the most important time of his career, so, like, we'll see how that affects him. Um, tough fight to come back into. Um, obviously, um, what's his name? My uh, my fucking Reese McKee is it Reese McKee or Dinny Tukey's yeah, winning? Reese McKee. Reese McKee. Yeah, Reese McKee's obviously one of the you know one of the best uh, up and coming new new fighters in the uh, in the Irish MMA scene. So like, that's that's kind of it's a brave fight to be taken. What third profession you see? His whole pro career MMA so MMA far fight. has been that's a brave fight to take, yeah. and he's passed them with flying colours. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's probably my most anticipated fight in a long, long time. Let's go a little bit more mainstream, though, to finish off with these questions, Sean, because Steve Berger wants to know, do you not think this whole McGregor carry-on has been a very clever marketing ploy from the get-go? Both of them are in cahoots. I, I don't think so, no, but today it looks... It looked, you know, as I, always, I said it earlier on, that tweet today kind of... A lot of people will be saying, oh, this is just a marketing guy, and today will kind of confirm it for him, even though it shouldn't confirm it for him because it isn't, but it makes it look way, way worse. Uh, it, there's obviously, a, you know, there's obviously something going on between them. This is not, even if even if that fight comes back on, this is not a case of, oh, you know, people weren't into it. We we're going to need to, uh, you know, create a big conundrum for something to happen. Like, this fight was going to sell well anyway, you know. Obviously, it's, it'll sell better, sell better now if it was to be put on, but. You know, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think, you know, I don't think this is nine eleven building seven. Did they really pull it? Like, I don't think it's one of them sort of things. You know, I don't think it's a man landing on the moon. You know, I don't think it was filmed by Stanley Kubrick kind of job. So, no, I don't think so. Three final ones. Keen O'Connell wants to know for once, not a question about the Middle East. Shout out to Keen for that. How many pay per views will UFC two hundred lose if Connor is off the card? For example, if it's Jones versus DC instead, I think we give a, an estimation earlier on. 000. But what you you think it lo- McGregor brings in an, an additional five hundred thousand minimum? I think minimum. minimum. Yeah. Joey Gahan, second last, the penultimate one at this stage. Can the UFC or McGregor come out of this? Um, he 
slash won't fight looking good. Oh, sorry. Will he or won't he fight and look good? If so, which one does? Wait, did you see that question? Am I saying that right? right. No. At, it just says, at this stage, can the UFC or McGregor come out of this looking good? Okay, if so, oh yeah. which one is going to come out looking good? I, I think he's actually getting at what we were asked in the last question there about, you know, whether they're in, whether, like, if this fight actually happens, will they think, oh, McGregor and Dana White and the UFC set this up? So, like, I think he has a mind. I don't think, you know, if this fight does go ahead, if they change their minds now, I don't think they will come out of it looking good because I think everyone will think it was a setup, even though, as I said, it clearly wasn't. But it looks that way. It sure looks that way. And, you know, if it, if it, what was the old saying goes, if it, uh, if it squeals like a pig and if it's covered in shit, then it's a pig, you know. <laughs> Ultimate Limerick quote. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, fine. Who's that? Never heard of him. <laughs> Final question. <laughs> I love when he said it. It's my favourite thing. Um, <laughs> by the way, did you put no religion on your senses for him? Yeah, I did. Yeah, did you? <laughs> yeah, I asked my mum to. And she was disgusted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway to finish off the podcast uh, a lot of the questions that we got this week we've covered in the discussion I'm sorry so maybe not as an extensive question uh, question time this week it's Don't also 20 past 1 in the morning and I have to be up in 5 or something hours so look boo-hoo. We'll, uh, we're going to pay it well Andrew <laughs> <laughs> I certainly am <laughs> um what was I going to say to you? So, any more questions uh, throughout the, the between now and next week? Maybe it's something that we've come up in this. We'll come back to them next week extensively, of course, at Severe MMA Pod. But to finish off the questions this week, Robert Mannion, friend of the podcast, always sends us good questions. He says, Sean, is it all going to be okay? Everything is going to be all right. I got man's in the house tonight, and everything's going to be all right. I put up on Twitter during the week that. Everything in MMA always works out for the best in the end. And if it doesn't, we'll quickly forget. <laughs> that's that's another... It's uh... another Seanism. Do you want to know? I have a lot of Seanisms going around now. Yeah, no, she- she- Sheenisms, we call Sheenism. them. What yeah. was that song you were just singing? It was uh, not Bob Marley, the Fugees, is it? Is it? Yeah. Because... Everything's going to be all right. You know, you know the one... Doctor, everything will be all right, Sean. No. No? No, what? Anyway, the the people that are listening to this is probably asking how much of your time is left. So, and how much more of their mind that you have to invade. So, we're just going to finish off the podcast there. I have to say, a great episode. What, did you realise there were Prince lyrics? No, oh, no, no, I didn't. No, oh, there you go. So, fuck you. I was never a big fan of Prince, were you? Um, No. But someone asked to try and include a Prince lyric into this week's show, so I had to do my very best because I only saw the tweet there. Watch on. Andrew, not in comparison to you. Thank you very much. I, I, honest to God, I just got the fear of fear of the baby Jesus himself because I thought some <laughs> never, news had baby just... Jesus never heard of him, was he? <laughs> I thought some uh, news had just broken that would require this podcast to go on for another 30 minutes. Oh no, why, what happened? No, I thought you had just saw something the way that you said, Andrew. Oh, yeah. like, oh, no. oh my god, Conor McGregor's done what? Oh, I sound like a clickbait headline. Anyway, until next week, if you want to get in touch with us by any may, will, blah, 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 means, way, shape, or form possible, please do. At Severe MMA Pod over on Twitter, at Sean Sheehan, BA as in a BA Bachelor of Arts. Boom. And I am at Andrew McGahan underscore. 
Give all the other Severe MMA lads a follow at Pizzi Carroll, at Dave GBD, at Sever Emma himself. <sighs> Not a bad week, Sean. What's the oh, plans? You can follow at Patchy in 123. At Patchy in 123. At Ryan O'Connor. At uh, who else? Don't know. Contributed today a new article Up from Carta. Dundalk. Chart Corpus. You can follow. You'll see it'll be on the Severe MMA page. Um, so that's it. That's about it. One twenty-six a.m. on the 26th of the 4th, 2016. Another Severe MMA podcast is officially in the bank of Severe MMA podcasts. As always, please get in touch over the week with your thoughts, your disdain, your praise, your questions, your requests for Sean Sheehan's phone number because I'm still giving them out as well if you just send me mm. a DM. And as I say always, a big thank you to our sponsors, Ross um, ROS Nutrition. Uh, head on over to their website, rsnutrition.com. Enter the code SEVEREMMA for your first time order and you'll get a discount. And as always, if you want to get in touch, maybe you're a business, maybe you're an employer, maybe you're someone that works with someone who thinks that their cousins, aunties, dogs, business associate would like the Severe MMA podcast. If that's the case, send them our way as well on Twitter, at Pod. Sean Sheehan. Do you want me to finish it up? Well, I just unless you had any other crack, because we're at 150 here, so, I, you know. That's about it. I'm going to give an ode to my new favourite WWE star to finish the podcast this week. Who is your new favourite WWE star? Inzo Amore. Go on. That's Bada Amore. Boom. Oh. <laughs> you ruined it for me. Sorry. You ruined it. Sorry. Bada boom. Realist guys in the room. How you doing? See you next week.